0: Christmas time is here. (laughs) (laughs) We are doing a gift exchange as usual. We are behaving pretty extra about it. And we decided we were going to do it uh, the 27th of December. It's for Patreon. Yes. Uh, And that's the day our Christmas episode releases. So
1: so it's a little it's a little dual duo double
0: action, double trouble, as I like to say, double trouble. Uh, Yeah, so we will be on Patreon. We'll post the details there as far as time and stuff, but it'll be a live stream uh, on YouTube. So we cannot wait to see you there.
1: And hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully you can pop on and then watch the ridiculousness ensue, because I definitely (laughs) got Christine some very weird presents and I'm assuming
0: something odd will come my way. Likewise, yes. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash ATWWD podcast and we will see you there. Hello and welcome to And That's Why We Drink, a podcast with Emma Christine. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> I'm trying to make it more professional. You waited a little too long, I think. <laughs> I try to do it. It's never too late to be who you want to be. F Scott Fitzgerald. Oh, oh, wow. My stepmother has that embroidered on a pillow, so I memorized it. Okay.
1: What do I have on any? I don't think I have anything fun on pillows. You have a
0: picture of Gio on a pillow, so I think that counts.
1: Okay, that's fair. I actually have. inspiring. I have a lot of things with your dog's face on it. Who doesn't yeah. even live in on this side of the country anymore, by the
0: way. Yeah, the embarrassing part is I buy them and then like make you put them in your home, so it, it's quite embarrassing. But oh, you know, and I graciously accept with open arms. So thank you. <laughs> anyway, how is
1: Gio? Now we—I'm sure a lot of people would like an update on him.
0: Oh my goodness, um, he's well. Oh my god, I haven't even told you this. We literally hired a dog trainer <gasps> uh, here in wow you really it, are becoming a totally different person right it's it's hardcore because i'm eyes. it's it's i'm desperate because i mean he's here right now because it, we're recording too late in the day to put him in daycare okay. um so anytime anyone comes over we have to put him in daycare even if it's like my dad like he's just What's, so bad what with people what, what he does he, do? he just like barks and gets territorial and like tries to get them out the door and, like, loses really? his mind. Yeah, it's only people he, like, really knows he's fine with. But I think after moving to a new house, he's gotten, like, more oh. sensitive. I don't know. Um, I-, I don't know. But it's just, like, driving me crazy. If any time the mail comes, as you know, it's, like... a you know mail was always a a big
1: a big moment for the whole house
0: (laughs) yeah and like now that we're getting packages for you know instead of like instacart or whatever i'm doing like things are coming to the front door and like i'm like after corona how am i supposed to have like anybody over ever a or like how am i supposed to it's just a nightmare so we hired a dog trainer who came two days ago and today is the first day of like training and i'm already so bad at it because he's not allowed to be on furniture for like two months to kind of like establish a they're like, he's the alpha in this house, and you need to like, That's reestablish. for damn sure. <laughs> I was like, he is? And Blaze like, is like, Christine.
1: <laughs> well, he's a Scorpio, so let's start there. I
0: mean, yeah, I was like, he's the alpha in the world. The so universe, it's not like yes. just me. Um, But yeah, so we're doing all this training. We have, I have like a three-page notebook or three-page list of... um. Like, every day we're supposed to do training, doorbell training, knocking training. Like, I mean, it is a whole, like, stranger training where I'm supposed to have my dad come over and, like, give him treats. I mean it's just a lot so anyway he's fine but like if he barks during this please know that i'm trying my best to get rid of it. it's like having it's like having a toddler i get it it's okay I, <laughs> yeah i it, people don't like when i say that because like i'm sure having a toddler is a whole different ball. Bo- i'm i know having in a toddler terms is a whole of different volume. volume they're the volume wise it's a lot <laughs> it, vo- okay in terms of interruptions of like recording a podcast they're very probably similar so
1: I uh, I gotta tell you, it's probably my fault. I probably should chip in with your trainer. I I think I really I started the the curve with that popcorn.
0: Oh yeah, I sent you a uh, a bill. A bill, great. Okay, <laughs> I it's I in gave a it- geo envelope with his face on it. I gave it to Eva and said, get rid of this. Um, that's probably what happened. <laughs>
1: uh, how how are you doing? Are you doing well?
0: Oh, I'm fine, Em. Thank you for asking. I am uh, finishing up all your Christmas gifts and mm. wrapping them and they're right behind the computer so I can't show you but I'm very excited. I'm, I'm so close to tomorrow. seeing them. Ooh, oh, by the way, everybody, this comes out uh, December, what, like the 20th. week of Christmas. Yeah. So we decided to do we needed some extra prep time, so we're doing like our quote-unquote real holiday special mm. next week, if, the, yes. if you can even call it that. Um, so I have something planned for that, or like a fun story, but um, just in case anyone's wondering. Cool, yeah. man. How are you?
1: I miss huh. you. I miss you. I, I wanted to tell you, I, if, if you'll indulge me. Uh, Please, Always. So- so this uh, and we're allowed we don't need to make this weird we're allowed to just have a casual normal conversation
0: okay I'm gonna take my antidepressants while you tell a story (laughs) just in case in case the camera comes back to me that's what's (laughs) happening (laughs) I just want to warn,
1: if people are like, why is
0: Christine popping pills? It's normal. I was like,
1: damn, Christine, what I'm about to say is not that bad. (laughs) I need to, I need to like bolster myself for your story. I I appreciate that. So uh, for those of you who know, by the time, so this comes out on the 20th. And as we're saying this, it already happened a few weeks ago. So probably like a month ago, you probably saw on my Instagram that I lost my gammy. And uh, so today and yesterday, because it got split up. Uh, yesterday was the memorial service and then this morning at 6 a.m here thanks Gammy uh, it was uh, <laughs> it, uh keeping was, you on your toes was the uh the wake or no yesterday was the I don't I, this was my first funeral I don't know what's going on but today that
0: was the burial <laughs> oh I see I think that's oh yeah I don't know forget it
1: Yesterday was, like, the open casket experience. Yesterday. Experience. The trademark. Exp- <laughs> it was an experience. And <laughs> you then, need to buy a special priority ticket. And then, and then uh, today was, like, the mass and the burial. So uh, three days ago, when, by the time you're listening to this, three days ago, December 17th, would have been her 80th birthday. Oh, and birthday. And uh, for those of you, I appreciate everyone saying very wonderful, kind things to me when I first lost her um she was the best woman in the entire world mm-hmm. she was the best grandma if you're thinking in your head oh, okay well you have my grandma you're still wrong my grandma <laughs> this was the coolest gammy in the whole world i'm conceding this from day zero i'm conceding
0: <laughs> this to you I well know it. she
1: she was just the it was the thing that was the weirdest because it was well Techno, hang on a second let me just
0: get through this whole story (laughs) i like how M starts yelling at everybody and it's like
1: you have the stage and the microphone i'm literally like everyone calm the fuck down (laughs) give me a minute Jeez. well so she uh just so everyone knows because i i don't know if anyone is asking this to themselves but so she ends up uh passing from covid um Mm. she had she was the one that i've discussed before who had uh pretty gnarly alzheimer's and Um, I'm really lucky that when we were in New York last year, I got to see her or maybe it was two years ago. Now I got Mm -hmm. to spend one last real day with her. And that was very delightful. And, uh, so she was already, I think on her way out, she had not been doing great. And then she got COVID and the nurses called us and said, uh, she's not going to make it through the weekend. Mm. So this is the time for everyone to call her through the speakerphone and say your goodbyes. And, A lot of my family is still in New York where my gammy was. And uh, me and some of my cousins are in North Carolina. So for those, because of COVID, we couldn't go to the funeral. I think they had like a limit uh, to who could go. So Mm. we ended up doing everything through Zoom, which, by the way, uh, being a part of that through Zoom was (laughs) wildly awkward. Yeah, I Um, bet. It's such a weird new experience. It it was, uh, I kept trying to like make people feel better i was like like, emote or something like Like, i was trying to like keep like energy high like because everyone was like obviously very somber um i'm one of the very lucky people when it came to my relationship with my gammy where like i grieving was very easy for me because i had i got closure a long time ago with that mm -hmm. relationship and she we both knew that we were each other's homies like i i have nothing i never got to say to her so right I was trying to be in like what would be good spirits during uh, her during all of this on Zoom. I really fucked up earlier today too during the what um, during the (laughs) what? Oh no! (laughs) I wasn't gonna say this part, but I told Eva, and then and then I just okay. So tell me on so I was. Everybody else,
0: plug your ears. (laughs) I'm so and by plug your ears, I guess you already have headphones in, so like (sighs) you're just gonna hear it louder.
1: Gammy, I'm so sorry if you can what hear me right happened? now. What I, happened? I was trying to, like, not necessarily keep things light and that, like, I wasn't taking this seriously. I was just trying to of be course. more jovial. One of the things that everyone knew about my gammy is that she was just such, like, she walked in the room and she was always the smiliest, happiest. Yeah. Like, her laugh, the, the one thing I'm going to miss the most about her was her laugh because it was just, like, you'll never hear anything like it again. And uh, the thing that was so weird for me at the during this wake was that, like, she wasn't smiling. Like, she didn't look like herself, not because she was dead, but because she wasn't smiling. Um, And so just – I was trying to, like, kind of keep spirits high because I know that's what she would have wanted. And if it were a wake for someone else, she would have – or a mass or funeral, she would have done the same thing. So I was like, okay, for Gammy, I'm going to try to be the more uppity person. Other people are grieving more than I am. So, like, I'm going to be that that energy. Mm -hmm. And my cousin – came up to me on Zoom. Uh-oh. I was on, I was on Zoom, and then my cousins from North Carolina were also on Zoom. And they my uncles were doing a great job of, like, kind of leaving the laptop, like, on a pew in the church and then, like, leaning it against, like, a, something else during the, the memorial service. And so uh, they left it running, so we were just kind of almost sitting with the audience, or the audience, yikes, our family, and
0: uh (laughs) (laughs) and i didn't even realize i was like what about oh
1: god we're the worst technically i was an audience member um yeah but so uh one of my cousins came up who like isn't handling it very well and uh he was like hey how are you doing and like and i was in my room at six in the morning and uh i said (laughs) I was like, well, if you told me a year ago that I wouldn't wear, my, I wouldn't wear pants to my grandma's funeral, I would, oh. <laughs> I would have thought you were crazy. And then I thought he would laugh. And like my aunt was also, <gasps> I thought she would laugh. And no one laughed. <laughs> and my other cousin who was on Zoom with us, I saw her go,
0: <gasps> like cover her mouth. Like, I can't believe you said that. This is a and Gemini's I- worst nightmare. <laughs> Like literally I was being trying, like that guy at a funeral. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I wasn't trying to like come no, up with like No, I a, know, I know of that for a fact. So I'm just it's saying like, like this like, happened
1: to be a funeral where pants were optional, whether or not it was addressed openly and so I, still I
0: feel like I would have laughed in the church and then everyone would have been like I would have been the asshole. So I mean, maybe they were like, "Well, maybe we're not supposed to laugh." at M's hilarious joke. Anyway,
1: know. you know what? I think my Gabby would have laughed. I, I was just say would've... she
0: probably laughed. She Let's was just real.
1: such a happy. She loved like little pranks and and being jokey and stuff like that. So I I think she would have been very happy that someone said something like that. Um, but anyway, I wanted to. I really went off on a tangent. Sorry. I was not going to address that. I said that. That you didn't wear pants to your
0: <laughs> No, ma'am. This is a weird fucking year. folks. <laughs> I don't know. how That's like such a topper. Happy Christmas, I guess. Uh, there it is.
1: But so, uh, one thing that I wanted to, the thing that I wanted to say, but I felt like I needed to, you know, zhuzh this up. So I had some context. Um, I wanted to officially tell everyone a very personal uh, quote ghost story. What? You al- you already know this one, oh. and but uh, but it's my one of my gammies. and so uh, <gasps> is it the one? Yeah. Yes. Oh my god! I was gonna
0: say, it, but then I was like, I don't know if like that's a thing and wants to talk about. So so yay. my my
1: gammy, I will say, uh, I don't. She was always really really. Uh, embarrassed about it because she didn't think people would believe her so um she didn't talk about it a lot but i think this is the exact platform she wished she Mm. had
0: yeah um and i'm absolutely no shame gammy we will this is a safe space this is a safe (laughs) space
1: and (laughs) uh so she uh one of the things that she always had with her growing up, every time I was at her house, I would look at her, I would be in her bedroom and I would see on her nightstand on like the, you know how night tables have like that bottom shelf for Mm -hmm. you to like put something. Mm -hmm. There was always this shoe, like a white shoe. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is the story to
0: this? Totally.
1: And my whole family knows the story. I'm very lucky that I inherited the shoe. I'm very happy about that. (laughs) Um, And, My Gammy had this story. I hope I'm not butchering it, but the gist is that she got it back in, like, the 80s um, when her and my grandpa were getting divorced, and they were gardening shoes. My Gammy liked to garden a lot. So she put the shoes on.
0: Oh, there's Geo. Sorry, I tried to warn you, folks, and even Gammy can't stop Gio's nonsense. I'm so sorry. Not even for a second, that one. God. I would also be so disrespectful at a funeral (laughs) with this one. I mean, you and I would be just like a nightmare duo to have at a funeral. Like
1: you forgot to mute, and then like your dog... (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: And I would be screaming at my dog, like, shut up!
1: Well, uh, so... I will say, uh, one of my favorite fun facts about my gammy, since we're killing time waiting for him to stop barking, my gammy was in a barbershop quartet called the Afternoon Delights.
0: Ah, I mean, come on. Come on, she was the best. You can't beat that, you can't.
1: So, uh, she was gardening, and uh, she had just had this, like, I'm assuming a really nasty split. I know that
0: her Mm. ex wasn't tops. Um, well, and I think it was so much harder back then to sure. go through a divorce, even, even for our parents' generation.
1: And they got married real young. I think like when she was like 18 or something. Oh, so wow. she, even if it was like not the greatest relationship, it was all she knew. So I think she was really scared mm-hmm. and she had just gotten these like brand new gardening shoes to like make herself feel good. And while she was gardening, she was, uh, my, my Gammy was more or less religious and, you know, would talk to her parents who had already passed on. Um, kind of praying, but kind of just chatting with them. And was
0: she Christian? She was Catholic, yeah. Catholic, yeah.
1: So my, uh, while she was gardening, she was talking to her mom, who mm-hmm. she was really close with, um, and she was like, "Mom, I'm just really scared. I just want this to, you know, work, and you know, I want to know that I'm going to be okay and that you're looking out for me, and you know, I just, I just need a sign that you're here with me and I'm, I'm not alone." And as she was doing that, when she was gardening, her shoes got all muddy because she had been hosing. Right. Uh, hosing using the hose and uh so her shoes got all muddy so she left them out um she rinsed them off with the hose and then she Mm -hmm. left them on the uh like i guess like her front porch to dry out in the sun Mm -hmm. and she went to bed the next day she went to go get her shoes and in one of the shoes there in the dried mud that was left it embedded itself into her shoe it like the mud embedded in it but in a perfect picture a perfect image of a woman that we think could be her mom or it's just like a guardian angel that something like that mm-hmm. but when I tell you like it's not like a potato chip and you think you see Jesus in the potato <laughs> chip like so I brought the shoe you did okay I did so this I've is,
0: seen it in photos this is the not... shoe my well, only... I'm seeing it in photos again because I'm not there but you know
1: so uh my only issue is I don't know how the cam- what the camera sees, so I'm just gonna post a picture so you guys okay. can see what it looks like on the inside. But I know you, Christine, can see in there. Uh,
0: it's I have really bad quality video on you right now for some reason. Okay, so but tr- see trust it, but and believe.
1: I've shown it to you before, haven't I? Yes, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like it's like amazing. it's no joke. It's like no, 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 no. It's like a little portrait in there, and so and it's all ripped up in here. The soul is ripped up because my gammy was so freaked out about it. She took it to like a bunch of churches and like priests oh, were like really? priests so all all in here you can't really see but like the the, the like the little padding mm-hmm. it's like glued down for the most part where it originally was but this whole part up in the shoe is like ripped out and barely hanging on because so many priests like didn't believe her they were <laughs> ripping it out to try to see oh, what no. was behind it So it's like all messed up and no one can explain it. But ever since that day, this face has been here. And so my gammy always kept it by her nightstand and would talk to it whenever she was sad. And uh, then when her Alzheimer's got really bad and my aunt was moving her into uh, a home, she had to kind of pick and choose what went with my gammy and what would start kind of getting handed out to family Mm -hmm. members. And my aunt... I had been begging for this one for a long time, so yeah. I got the shoe, and now I keep it on my nightstand. And when I want to oh, talk to Gammy, I've, I I've got that. someone to look at. But
0: and great Gammy,
1: and great Gammy. So <laughs> uh, anyway, when that's
0: a great story
1: during a uh, when Gammy passed a couple weeks ago, I kept saying like, you know what the coolest part is, Gammy? Like now you know who this person is. Like you got to meet that person yes, recently. Yes, you know, yes, you were probably like, <gasps> you're the you're the girl from the shoe. Ooh, I just got goose cam. So Ooh. I hope that they're singing in a barbershop quartet somewhere together oh i'm but sure
0: they are I'm anyway
1: sure they are. i thought that was today was an appropriate day and three days ago would have been her birthday so um
0: oh well happy I love birthday gammy um oh, i'm sure she's just like living living it up oh barbershop. she's having a
1: blast she was such a social butterfly she probably hasn't <laughs> even caught up with everyone yet so
0: yeah, and anyway. he was like, oh, she didn't visit me. And I was like, oh, she probably has a lot of people to talk to. <laughs> She's so busy as hell. She <laughs> might come back later.
1: She'll she'll pencil me in in 30 years.
0: Especially since you've had closure. She's probably like, there's plenty of people who didn't get closure with me. I'll see that real well, quick.
1: Also, so by the time she was born, her parents had had three other babies and they all died before she was born oh no so she's got like three whole brothers to like catch up with so oh my god she's got a, she's got a whole slew of people that's like on a to-do list right now so i'm okay with not getting uh, a sign from her yet but at some point i'm gonna get impatient Gammy. so wherever you are hurry up
0: oh by now you've probably heard about burrow a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs durable materials and details that make life in your space easier can get 15% off their first order at burrow.com slash drink that's burrow b-u-r-r-o-w dot com slash drink for 15% off burrow.com slash drink
1: Anyway, that's my my thing. I'm sorry that went longer than I wanted. No,
0: but. no, it's a beautiful story, and um, I'm very sorry again for your loss. I know that you're that's doing okay. fine, but she's, you
1: know. I'm doing fine. She's doing fine, and well, uh, I love
0: you, and I love your gammy by extension, even though I never got to meet her.
1: She would have loved you. She would have oh, She would have gotten <laughs> such a kick out of you. <laughs>
0: Uh, she would have been like, this one's a dynamo. Um, <laughs> so What's wrong with this one? She probably would have said. <laughs> my Catholic grandma also said that a lot, so it's fine.
1: <laughs> well, it. she, I think she would have liked you a lot. So anyway, uh, that was just a little shout out to her. So um, my story this week, uh, I want to get through it because I know you said that yours is long. So I want to make sure that I give you ample time. Aww. So um, mine is kind of a connecting story to last week, the Fox sisters that I covered. Got it. So, um, this happened within six years of the Fox sisters story. And this is the story of the Davenport brothers.
0: Oh gosh. I didn't know those people existed.
1: They sure did. So they were more siblings that were instrumental in, uh, spiritualism, not as accidentally, but, uh, I think it blew out of proportion for them as well. I think they, they didn't mean for it to get as wild as it did. So, um the Davenport brothers there were two of them. One's name was Ira? Is that the name? I R A? Okay. Ira Davenport? Like Ira Glass. Mm, okay. Ira. <laughs>
0: You're like uh <laughs> Ira. Ira Glass. Yeah. Why don't I know what that is? Oh, he's uh sorry, I did <laughs> I couldn't tell by your face. He's the host of This American Life, works for NPR. Well, very- I said
1: I said mm, because I know that name, but then I was like, why can't I put a face? Yeah. To oh, it? it's <laughs> it, it's such like a
0: I feel like. It- anyway, he did. He does. Uh, he was like an OG podcaster, basically, and he worked for, works for NPR and did does This American Life and he- gotcha. It's, he's gotcha, a very gotcha. recognizable voice. I guess it's uh,
1: really telling that I don't listen to those shows. Apparently, <laughs> okay.
0: So well, I- he's the only Ira I can think of. So.
1: Uh, Ira and William, I know a lot of Williams. Okay. So Mm -hmm. Ira and William Davenport. And so their family, this is also weird. They were not too far away from Hydesville, New York, where the Fox sisters were. Oh, so a lot of people think that there's no way they didn't hear about the Fox sisters and maybe the Fox sisters inspired what happened with them. Sure. So their dad was in the police force. He was a detective, and, uh, he taught his kids, I don't know why his dad had this interest, but he taught them all about, like, like, kind of little illusions, like, specifically rope magic tricks. Oh, that's fun. Um, I think That's they're, a very
0: dad thing, I feel yeah,
1: like. Yeah. Or uh, maybe it started with, like, here's how to tie a knot, and then it just became, like, Or, like, like the cool. thing where you
0: do, like, a, a quarter, like, like, little sleight of hand stuff.
1: Yeah. So, he apparently was really into that stuff and taught his kids, and, um... So the kids would try these tricks at home, and apparently, it's kind of it's kind of muddled. But they ended up getting the kids ended up getting so good at these magic tricks that uh, their parents believed they like there was no way they could have not been doing it without being powerful. Oh, <laughs> it they got, got like, bigger than dad. They got bigger than dad to a, like kind of uh, a wild point. Um, okay. Like so Houdini himself uh referred to their mother. Okay, fucked up Houdini, called their mom a simple woman, easily okay. misled. Um Okay. Then again, kinda, because she straight up just believed her children had magic powers. So I
0: mean, you and I are gonna believe our children have you and okay, like, think right, about you're right, you're this. Right. You've literally said the second your future child says, like, oh, there's a person or an imaginary friend, you're gonna think it's like a full demonic force but you
1: want to know why because i'm a simple woman who is easily (laughs) misled so you can back off
0: houdini Uh, you asshole so what i think
1: the the way that the story started was they were doing these illusions they were getting better at them and then uh, i think they probably heard about the fox sisters there's also a different storyline that says that the father was kind of getting into like spiritualism because of Uh. the fox sisters himself Anyway, they, it influenced their house in some way where the kids were like, oh, we should try table wrapping and table knopping, knocking mm-hmm. and, and see what happens. So they started doing these table sessions and trying to do their own seances. Um, and like as preteens, like just little Casual. kids. <laughs> Apparently they were accidentally really good at it. <laughs> Um,
0: that's like us in podcasting.
1: We're like, what <laughs> people? People listen to us? I, look, that's also me with escape rooms. Apparently,
0: I'm like, what? what? It's definitely is is you in escape rooms. Podcasting is the only one I've found so far that I've like accidentally been good at. You, you say, say
1: that. that you just haven't tried to make an escape room. I think you would be sinister if you decide I, to make
0: <laughs> one. <laughs> I think I would go in my own really bad path, and nobody would ever follow me. Your so spectacular
1: mind. It, they would study it one day. <laughs>
0: spectacular mind
1: <laughs> okay uh so apparently they were really good at this ta- there's like table turning rapping sessions and on their first try with a the séance their little sister levitated oh okay um yeah so now you're like what is real and what mm-hmm. is not so um also the table started this is uh after that happened they were like wow we're pretty good we should keep doing this so they started doing these séances pretty often and soon tables were moving. They were hearing raps, just like um, like knocking on with the Fox sisters. Um, Ira started to be able to automatically write. And uh, at one point, all three of the children levitated at once, and I think were thrown across the room by accident. Oh, by accident, or very much it's on purpose. Accident. Yeah, I it's like, like want to think the ghost was like kind of nice. Um, so another time, uh, I don't really understand why he did this, um, but Ira, you know how kids were in the 1840s, pulled out his gun, and, uh, he shot at, like, a random corner. Apparently, there was, like, a legitimate- Inside? Yeah. (laughs) Look. Uh Oh, he no. was like twelve. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, the uh, child.
0: Sorry, I, I yeah. thought that was the dad. I was like, "This is all no, getting
1: the child's gun." This is how we know this is American oh, the spiritualism. Own yes. gun. I
0: understand. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Now it makes a whole lot more sense. USA.
1: So, uh, <laughs> yikes! Whipped out his gun and he. I don't know why. Shot at the corner of the room, an empty corner of the room. Apparently, there was a reason to that. I, for the the reason is beyond me. The reason um, is he
0: was 12 years old. Okay. Like, that might like, be it too. Period. End of story. Uh,
1: and as he fired the pistol, the second that he fired and there was like kind of a flash from the explosion, um, all of a sudden the gun had was in that like not even a split second, like split, split second. Um, mm-hmm. All of a sudden the gun was taken out of his hands, almost like in slow motion. The gun was taken out of his hand And he saw a human figure in the corner holding his gun and smiling at him. (gasps) And then when the flash left, all of a sudden that figure was gone and the gun dropped to the floor. Oh, okay. That's weird. I don't even know what to make of that. I don't either. It was like an apparition that... Was like a minus, menace- m- like millisecond away from like keeping you from firing a gun. I
0: guess. Yeah, I was gonna say but it didn't work. Or, or and also I was he smiling. And why was he seeing where
1: the bullet was gonna go? Like, come on now.
0: Yeah, I feel like that would be an excuse. Like, oh, no, I didn't shoot the gun. My imaginary friend did. But, like, he didn't even use that as an excuse. He's like, no, I shot the gun.
1: It's (laughs) like, I shot it. My imaginary friend pulled it away from me because he's a square. (laughs) What a Um, rude... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) exactly. Uh, So apparently in that moment, they also had this this realizing, this knowledge, this some sort of epiphany that the figure that they had seen was John King, who was their self-appointed control. So when we've talked about seances before, a control is almost like a spirit who comes down and is like there to be the translator for all the other spirits. Oh, right, okay.
0: so thrilled that we're working with fast growing trees. I spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure, you know, it'll work in your garden. Um, They have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac. And so, I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. offer that includes a 4 week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code drink
1: um so apparently i didn't know this i must just be like not hip with it when it comes to spiritualism but apparently john king like Across the nation became everyone's control. Oh my gosh. Like this guy went to every single person that ever did handsome hands and was like, "I'm your control. I'm the captain." Oh, so, wow,
0: bossy. Okay,
1: yeah. So I don't. I think he's just like the only control or something.
0: Is this like any one famous or is this just like some random dude from the? If other it's side? someone famous, I don't know him. Okay, <laughs> I'm okay, because sure. I'm like we talked about Ben Franklin. Why couldn't he be the control? Like, right. Like, fun. why
1: couldn't like someone you no want offense, to John. run into? You know. Yeah. Uh, so. Anyway, so they knew they had this knowing that it was John King and he was their control. So they started trying to speak to John King pretty frequently. No, no guns needed. But they were like, now that we have this spirit control and this, this guide with us, then we can, you know, see what what they want mm. to say. And John King, who I guess he was sitting at the table with them one night and was like, damn, you're pretty good at this. You should perform in public. Oh, God. OK. And so they decided because the ghosts told them or John King told them <laughs> that they should now go and do public séances for people. And much like Leah Fox becoming her sister's quote momager, sisager. Uh-huh. Their dad retired from the force and became their dadager. I see. Um a lot of similarities so far. Maybe he was probably just taken. Sure. He was like I'm going to follow what that Leah Fox did. She really brought them something. Really brought They're them somewhere. Some buku bucks over there. He was like I'm going to follow that that hot trail. So they started, they had been inspired to start working publicly and doing their stuff. So in 1854, which was only six years after the Fox sisters, the the Davenport brothers, who were 16 and 14 at this point, they began performing their illusions while also doing seances. And so it was kind of a combination of like magic and ghosts, which like is very sassy. Yeah. Um,
0: Love it. Love it. And
1: that. they, so mainly they were known for their seances and they were doing them locally at this point. So early shows, they started just like the Fox sisters. Most of it was just wrappings on a table. Um, it very quickly escalated, which I'm going to get to in a second. But one of my favorite fun facts of this is their one of their biggest fans was PT Barnum again, who loved the Fox oh, okay. sisters. This
0: guy is just like all he's over tr- the place. He's trying
1: to recruit them, I think. Uh-huh. Um, so, after performing and working in some local seance circles, the Davenport's are like, "Okay, we're getting, we're becoming big fish in this little pond, so we're gonna go to uh, New York City." And they start doing this thing called dark seances, which is not as scary as it seems. It literally means that they're doing seances in the
0: dark. Um, sounds pretty scary to me.
2: Ooh.
0: Oh, wait, so I'm sorry to be this this dumb, but like, so our normal seances in the light, I. Always thought so, but I guess they just, like, now they're, always, they're,
1: uh, they're official. They're like, this I one's in I always thought the dark. they were in
0: the dark. I, like, think,
1: I don't know what the reasoning was, but I just always assumed you wanted to do it when it was darker, right?
0: Well, I always assumed because it was usually fake. And so they were like, here, uh, not always, but, you know, when they are when they were doing these, like, tricks, they always turn the lights off.
1: I always thought at that, well, maybe because at that point, if they were fake. Uh, it seemed like it was
0: more fake fake i
1: don't know if they were fake it's i mean it so far at least according to their father who like was willing to quit his like steady paying job (laughs) that he had seen all three of his children literally fly across the room (laughs) so like i think he he was like this is pretty legitimate so i feel like um, it's
0: usually by like candlelight makes it spooky but i don't know what do i know clearly
1: not as much as the davenport brothers i guess apparently not uh, apparently these were dark seances, but maybe maybe what you're looking for is this little piece of information. Okay. So um, the brothers that uh, specifically for their seances, their quote dark seances. This was the act, I guess, is the the event. Um, they would tie themselves to chairs because remember they they knew this rope, these rope illusions.
0: Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes.
1: So they were mixing their knowledge of like rope. Uh-huh rope magic tricks into their seance sure stuff. Okay. um but so it was almost like it was more of an uh like they were trying to be a, a performance
0: act chris angel my lover kind of yeah okay
1: absolutely your lover <laughs> I, I remember you telling me you love him i yeah I, won't it's, forget it
0: it's an it's an oft- Overlooked facet of my personality. But also, everything
1: else you've ever said, when you say Chris Angel is like my honey, I'm like, well, that checks out.
0: It just, (laughs) okay. (laughs) All right. Maybe it does fit. Maybe it fits. Uh,
1: So now I see DB for Davenport Brothers, and I thought David Blaine.
0: (laughs) Oh, well. There's a lot of, there There's go. a lot going on
1: here. So the Davenport brothers, they would tie themselves to chairs, and that's when they would do their seances. So it was almost to prove that they weren't doing anything. They weren't messing okay. with stuff. And they would even have volunteers tie them as tight as possible to these chairs. Okay. Um, so that was just kind of their shtick of, like, look, we're legitimate. So they would tie themselves, uh, or they would have people tie them to chairs, and then they would summon the spirits. And before the seance started, they would show everyone, like, there's nothing going on. Like, you can investigate. You can look around. In the center of the room, we're going to leave a bunch of instruments, and then once we're all tied down, we summon uh, spirits by having them try to like play the instruments.
0: Oh, uh, oh! I thought you meant like oh, an EMF detector. You're like, no, it's a tuba, it's a trombone, (laughs) and oh, no, it's literally
1: like musical instruments.
0: Oh my gosh! Okay, like a little, like a little cowbell. That's Um, fun.
1: And so that was their way of being able to summon them was through music. So they, uh, they would do everything in the dark, and then. What, and they also would turn the lights off. That was kind of the shady part of, like, okay, why mm-hmm. do the lights have to be off for this? So the lights were off, and by the time uh, the seance started, you could hear, like, the banjo strumming itself or the guitar playing, and people started feeling themselves kind of getting touched or something weird would happen. Ooh. They'd hear voices from other parts of the, of the corners where no one was. And when they would turn the lights back on, they were still in their chairs completely tied Ooh.
0: down. Um
1: So that was, like, what really got them popular. Um, Sometimes, uh, this was kind of funny, too. One of the things that they would do in their, quote, act is they would, uh, they would, when the lights came back on, they would be wearing each other's clothes. Like, they would be, like... (laughs) <laughs> they'd be tied to the chair like they never got up but now that's they're in like fun. their pants are down or something funny so they tried to make it maybe that's why PT Barnum loved them cuz they kind of had like say, a circusy yeah. feel to it
0: it feels like clowny almost like vaudeville like, like yeah. a lot of like showy stuff mm-hmm. going
1: on so uh w- and to be fair like i'm saying this to you in kind of like a hindsight way of like what sure. was going on but like people were freaking the fuck out like i want you to uh, like frame this in your head of like even though i'm giving you the kind of the real parts of it people saw this and were like holy shit like they didn't know it was an illusion act oh at all. yeah and
0: especially if you're getting like touched or feel things like that must be terrifying in the dark <laughs> and especially whether, like, whether it's a ghost or not
1: especially when the people that are hosting you are strapped down and you know they are because uh-huh. you tied them down and yeah. now all of a sudden like they're wearing someone else's coat. Like what and the of
0: banjo's playing. You're yeah. like,
1: Oh, where did I end up here? <laughs> so uh one seance report said this. Uh or one they would have regularly, like the press would come and like make reports about them. what um, a
0: fun beat to have. Like you join a newspaper truly. and they're like you're on the seance beat.
1: <laughs> it's like being on like all sorts of magazines or all sorts of paragraphs. All paragraphs <laughs> everywhere.
0: Paragraphs this all is, over this my is, room. It's full of paragraphs. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. We're like I know we say this a lot but like we'd be the worst blank but like we I literally studied journalism but like we would have just been the worst like spiritualism journalist. We would have been like Absolutely. Oh, it if we been could have
1: if they could have had like a this is just a bunch of paragraphs whatever that article was, <laughs> if, if they had that, but like ghost edition, I'd be like, here we go. Buckle yeah. up. <laughs>
0: just make Eva write that down the whole time. It was so literally we don't just, even have to write it. It was just Eva's notes. That's what it was. We just talk. Right. Wait, that's what's happening. Oh, so, OK. So in the re- making a lot of sense,
1: one of the reports said, quote, one Davenport boy was floated in the air above the heads of those in the room at a distance of nine feet from the floor. Next, oh. a brother and sister were influenced in the same way, and then three children floated high up in the room. Hundreds of respectable citizens of Buffalo are reported to have seen these occurrences. So as you can tell from that quote, they're also not just doing this uh, yeah. the sitting in the chair thing. They're also you now adding levitation to it. And Ooh. then eventually start- they started putting like phosphorus uh, chemicals or something. They started painting items in advance with all this like... Uh, glow-in-the-dark stuff basically (gasps) so that you would see these items and like the musical instruments like floating on the ceiling and (laughs) shit. And so it was like almost like, I think this is your answer to the dark seance thing. It was almost like a light show.
0: So because the
1: lights were off, all of a sudden the music is playing and now the all of the musical instruments are glowing and flying around the room. And also this is like so wild. Also children are like getting levitated. So it's like Cirque du
0: Soleil. B- it's like Blue Man. It's Blue Man Group. group. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Beta Blue Man Group. Yeah. It's
1: the, the Beta Blue Man Brothers. Okay. So part of the show beforehand, which like in hindsight, we know that this was an act. I usually don't start with telling you guys the truth, but I just don't know how to frame the story properly without (laughs) i don't know how to give you all the information without just being direct so i'm sorry usually i like to tease you guys but here we go so part of the show beforehand was that they had this guy reverend jb ferguson where if you're from the south he's a very famous person at least in like i think nashville or somewhere in tennessee i don't know the name um so he he loved them and he's he was one of those people who like was a devout believer like they were legit like The Davenport brothers are not doing anything other than just tying themselves to chairs and now ghosts are here. Um, So they asked him to be like a part of their show and he would basically like MC like (laughs) he uh, like he would never get on the stage or anything, but it was almost like they kind of planted him. It was like they, they found someone Uh who really believed in them. And so they used it to their advantage and they would always have him in the audience. And, and this reverend would just go around and just like, like, be like guys they're so real they're so real like you're about to have your mind fucking blown but-
0: <laughs> that's like when we tell our parents to come to <laughs> or when, when our parents or friends are coming we're like laugh so hard that like everyone will think we're funny you we know? have actually done that at our when we
1: know someone we, we do know- that often <laughs> when we know someone in the audience we will tell them in advance like please god laugh so at least we hear one laugh like even if it's not funny person's
0: laughing yeah we'll feel better you
1: can text me as you're laughing saying this isn't fucking funny but like i need to hear the laugh
0: just if even if i know that's my stepdad just go with it if you're
1: if you're uh if you're wondering what you should do at our in our audience if you're like kind of bored and like trying to figure out what to do (laughs) besides watch us please laugh
0: Please fake laugh if you're so bored that you can't laugh for real.
1: You know what hurts my feelings is, like, Allison's fake laugh is, like, so much more uh, believable than her real laugh because there has been a few times where, like, I tell a joke and then she literally is just deadpan, doesn't care. and And then I'll be like, that are my feelings. Can you just, like, fake laugh so I feel good about it? And then her real laugh, I'm like, that felt so hearty and real so now i'm nervous about when you actually laugh because you just taught me that you know how to fake laugh very well i'm yeah. not
0: good at fake laughing me I either think. i go like ho. Ha, ha, ha.
1: alice that's a scary that's a scary power that she has because now it is I,
0: very powerful now
1: i don't know um <laughs> oh well so uh <laughs> so the davenport brothers they had the reverend with them and he was like hyping everyone up he's basically like hype like man. a live audience hype man
0: yes oh my gosh but
1: he also like they weren't like paying him to like to trick anyone he was deadly believed it and so that was why they i think used him because they were like we don't even have to lie like this guy thinks we're legit (laughs) Um,
0: no!
1: and so he went on tour with them for a while too like they brought him everywhere they could and so the brothers were actually eventually right when they were about to get super big um they were caught (laughs) one day okay One day, uh, someone came to one of their seances and snuck in a lantern, and in the middle of the seance, turned the light on, and uh, it was found out that uh, the brothers were running around the room with instruments in their hands, and...
0: (laughs) what a sight to see like because one of their pants is off and they're just like i'm holding a banjo like it, it feels like the strangest sight. it feels like
1: watching like dwight and Moe's out in the cornfield or something like it's, it's just like, like
0: how weird how do chaos. you even explain this to your own mind i don't know <laughs> Oh, my God. But so
1: apparently they got caught, like, busted that, like, okay, so you're the ones doing this. And then before the lights come on, you, like, shib- like ship yourself back into the ropes.
0: Right. Okay. Um,
1: so wow. they had been found out, and then their reputation was kind of crushed, so they ended up moving back home to Buffalo.
0: What do you think the Reverend felt? He must have been, like, in that moment when he's like, no, this is crazy, and they turn on the lights, his heart must have just sank. Like- well,
1: so, a be- so I don't know about him. I would guess the only quotes I found about from him, which by the way were a lot and they were very in depth and very flowery. <laughs> they were like love letters. He fucking Oh
0: my loved God. Them.
1: I don't think he I think he was one of those people where like evidence had been thrown into his face and he was like, not true, fake news. He was gonna find a way, like yeah. fake news. It. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Got I, it. He was like, he was like, they just they're just jealous. They just, they just they wish they had powers or something. So <laughs> okay. Um so they moved back to Buffalo. And they continued to hold circles wherever they could, like, given that their reputation wasn't too damaged. And they just kind of hung back for a little bit and regrouped. And that's when they were like, okay, we're going to go back out there. This time we're going to really rock their socks off. And that is when they created the Davenport Spirit Cabinet. So do you have a laptop near you or your phone? yes can you can you google it and uh because i'm sure. gonna try to describe it for you but i might need backup because
0: it's, i'm picturing a dybbuk box is that not right imagine Daven- that but
1: like for humans to be able to fit in
0: what is it called sorry davenport
1: a, a davenport
0: uh spirit cabinet cabinet Got it, it was
1: basically a massive wardrobe that they were able to hollow out um for themselves so i'm gonna try to describe it and then just tell me if i kind of nail it
0: let me see oh 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 oh, oh! i see it yep okay, okay. got a photo
1: so it's basically a giant armoire of sorts or a, mm-hmm. a, like a a cabinet where the door like a, like fridge-sized cabinet like doors. a wardrobe yes yeah. like a wardrobe and there are three doors to it so there's a left a middle and a right the mm-hmm. left and the right sides um have benches on them so that from either end of the wardrobe the brothers can sit down on the benches facing each other So uh, in the middle section, because there's three doors, right? So in the middle section, there's at the very top, there's a little window with a curtain. Uh Aha, okay. So uh, from there, uh, this was the spirit cabinet. So how it would work is volunteers would be called onto the stage from the audience, and they would tie up the Davenport brothers, they were sitting on the benches, and they would be tied up on their wrists and their feet to the benches, and then they would close the doors. Okay, and then Not the it. the the volunteers would go sit back down. So basically, they were only brought up there just to tie them up, close the doors, and then go back to their seats.
0: Get a little clap, get a little embarrassed, go a little, little
1: hee hee. Yeah, so My little moment, a little clout, a little for the mm-hmm. insta, you know. <laughs> um, and so what would happen next was it was a series of the doors would open, and now they're untied. The doors would op- would be closed uh. again. They would open, and now they're tied up, and then open clothes, open clothes, they're untied, they're tied, they're untied, they're tied. But every time would be like a little more ridiculous. So like, it'd be like, oh, now they, again, like don't have pants on. They really like to close the stuff.
0: <laughs> wow, um, they like to take, yeah, take the stripping into the whole mix.
1: Well, the main thing is in the middle por- portion, it was, I guess the way to describe it is it, it was almost like they were taking their dark seance act on tour. So they made... They had all the musical instruments in the middle part of the cabinet. Uh-huh. So where they were tied down, once they were closed in, in theory, they shouldn't be able to play the the music. But uh, when you were sitting outside, you could hear music, like, going, like, crazy. Like, you could hear, like, a million right. spirits playing a band. And then there's, you like, would, three
0: sections, right? So, like, they right. can't... Uh, presumably, can't access the middle section even. Okay, exactly. Got it, got it, got
1: it. And, uh, and so... It was like, oh, you can hear all this music, but how? They're tied down. And then you would open the door and see they're still tied. And then later they would all of a sudden be untied, even though how could that be? So it was just kind of a back and forth thing like that. There was also a version where they, for like the second part of their act, they would have a volunteer actually go into the cabinet with them. Oh. And be in the middle portion. Okay. And, uh then usually it ended up being some sort of vaudeville thing where like their pants were down or they had like a
0: cut. <laughs> can you imagine you're like oh i'll get on stage and they're like hold on let me unbutton your pants in this dark world at, like, well, at least i think it's like a ghost or something but like listen i went up to the chippendales remember i got called up to chippendales do i remember and, christine ooh, that was i called a therapist <laughs> I remember. <laughs> so did my brother. I I, I, was, I watched oh Christine God.
1: basically in a porn.
0: It was yeah. It was it was like next level. Intense. Like the most. Uh, they and it I, was. The I will say
1: shower one right. The shower. It, no, bit that was the,
0: Lisa got to do the shower bit. I was in the Fifty Shades of Grey sequence. Oh, so right. There were yeah, a lot of uh, devices. Yeah, it was a whole thing. And I want to add because every time I I feel like I should say this is that I got up there and they were like. Th- they were like you know we're never actually gonna touch you first second like this the moment you feel uncomfortable or you're like i don't want to do this literally just say you know no or stop they or whatever, were wildly and, like, respectful done yeah and they were like you know, any, any time you feel like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like just say the word and it's over. They explain like every step of it. And so I was like, they're like, and then we're going to reach through your legs. And I was like, Oh God. I was like, okay. And then I'm like, they my said mom something is like, in the audience. They said something
1: like, Oh, we're going to, bu- we're going to blindfold you and like yes. bend oh, you God. over.
0: <laughs> yeah. they Blindfold you, bend you over, reach through your legs. And I was like, my mom, M." Uh, brother Lisa and are in the audience. My I eyes just don't even know. My eyes were on fire. I, re- I remember it being like, <laughs> I
1: I was I was having an out of body experience where I was like, I can feel the trauma.
0: <laughs> I can. I can feel, feel it, like folding into the b- folds of your brain. Just like I
1: could, I could feel it going into the folds, and then going even deeper, where I won't be able to remember it until like twenty years from now. Like and a violent it rage, in. yeah, oh, no.
0: <laughs> just like yeah, repressed it's just, out like, of wake up in a nightmare. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what, Eva was I, there.
1: Oh poor Eva. Eva was there. Oh
0: poor Eva. When we we, we had, had just that year, so she was like, okay, it was October, was... and we hired her April, right? No, it was July because this was a bachelor- bachelorette. Oh my God! So we knew her for eight weeks. No, no. If we February we hired her, right around her birthday, March. It was April eighteenth, homie. Oh, April. Okay, I get all St. our dates confused. <laughs> April, May, June, July. Yes, yeah, so that like was three the months. final
1: test of her interview. Actually, it was uh, just wow. see if you can tolerate. This. Listen, she
0: passed better <laughs> than you did. So,
1: the very first picture I ever took of her on my phone is when we got to go backstage at Chippendales, and she's like holding like a leather crop, and I was like, "This
0: is odd." I was like, "Of Eva, <laughs> yeah, this is." <laughs> I'm in. A, I just signed a, a a document that says I'm your employer. This is like probably. It was not. so. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) oh what a good sport i have Um, heartburn um when you said that guy was in the wardrobe and they took his pants off i was like well i've been there so yeah hopefully they were as uh, hopefully
1: they were as kind and uh respectful i i doubt it but maybe i'm glad you had a great experience because i i had to watch it so (laughs) i
0: had a blast especially because i was blindfolded so i was like i don't know what they're doing i'm just standing here you would have tied me up too this is very similar to the story they like literally tied me up with ropes actually wait a minute
1: we're are they, Chip are, Dales, they the or are they the original <laughs> Wait a minute. They're the original Chippendales.
0: Oh, my God. I thought they were the Blue Man Group, but into, but <laughs> now the, sexy? They're oh both God. in Vegas.
1: I think they're actually the same people. This is horrifying to me. Are All the, of it. I think the Chippendales people just paint themselves blue and then go on stage again. I would
0: rather never see that happen.
1: I would rather never see you on stage with the Chippendales, but <laughs> okay. guess what happened? Well, too late <laughs> for that. too late. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: hmm. You owe me a lot of money because it's been going straight to BetterHelp and um, money. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you owe me money for dog for dog therapy or for dog training, so I guess okay. we're even.
1: Yeah, call it even. Okay, so they would have. I I brought up the pants thing again just because I'm still like having my own it's, like it's uh, anxiety wild. about the comment at the funeral about pants.
0: Oh, that's right. Oh my god, this is all very fitting. Wow. But
1: but so they, they would do a lot of things. Like they would put like a like a tambourine on your head or your necktie would be on your leg or like something kind of goofy. Sure, so they would, sure. they'd bring the volunteer in and then you'd hear a bunch of sounds, and then all of a sudden the volunteer is like looking crazy, but the brothers <laughs> are all tied up. So how did that happen? So Who knows? um That was the second part of their act with the cabinet. Um, So this is actually a quote uh, from the book called The Spirit World Unmasked. Um, And it says this was describing like someone this is the person who wrote this was actually an audience member who saw this happening um pandemonium reigned that's what this podcast should be called <laughs> i <laughs> love that uh, pandemonium r- bells were rung horns blown tambourines thumped violence played and guitars vigorously twanged heavy oh. rappings also were heard on the ceiling sides and floor of the cabinet and then after a brief but absolute silence a bare hand and arm remember there's the window <gasps> with the curtain oh yeah a bare hand and arm emerged from the window and rung a big dinner bell <laughs> okay but it's also like okay so what they're hoping people will think is like these can't possibly be their hands it's like a spirit sure. has manifested in there and you're seeing a, a ghost's hand
0: a ghostly hand ringing time for din yeah
1: T- time to eat um <laughs> uh and then after oh yeah and so that was uh, that was the whole thing. So it would ring a di- uh, dinner bell. That's what the one was for. So the bro, uh, the bros. Sorry. the bros! <laughs> I wrote oh bros God. to make my notes shorter. So everything <laughs> says either bros or the DVs. <laughs> the DVs. <laughs> Here's another quote about when the volunteers would go into the cabinets with them. I have, at different times, seen at least 300 people enter that cabinet, all of whom certified that there was no movement on the part of the brothers. Because that was supposed to be the other part where you're pulling a volunteer out from nowhere, and they can confirm for you later, like, all this wild shit happened to you, but we were tied down, and we didn't do this. So then it would almost be a word-of-mouth marketing, where they were Uh, like, I was in there, and like I don't know what happened, because they were tied down. I didn't feel them touch me. Nothing happened. I just all of a sudden had this... My pants were down. So
0: um,
1: so now what convinced the audience uh, that there wasn't any, I guess, um, like the, let's say the, the final piece of evidence that they had not been doing anything and they had been tied down this whole time. The real, to me, trick to this was that the Davenport brothers, when they were getting tied down to the chairs originally at the beginning of their act, they would be given a handful each of flour okay and then they'd be tied down and then by the end of all of this we're like tambourine on the head necktie on the leg by the end of the whole act they still had flour in their hands. so there's no way they could have touched anything Oh, that's
0: funny what a random what a random thought i love that and
1: what a smart way to like try to prove like my hands are closed i'm not doing any of this
0: that's really clever
1: so we'll get back to the flower in a little bit but i i wanted to make sure i said that because i kept thinking like of course, like, for all you know, like, these ropes are, like, little magnets, and they're just bracelets, but they look like rope or something. And, sure. Like, but Aww. if you are if you have flour, like, if you even let go of that, like, your clothes are covered in it. So, like, you would be busted right away. Yeah, it's everywhere. Um, so they would then end each show still holding the flour in their hands. So the audience obviously went fucking bananas for this. So the New York Daily Tribune in 1869 reviewed their work and said, this arm and these hands may have belonged to the Davenport brothers from like the one from the window. Mm -hmm. But if they did, the Davenport brothers are the cleverest jugglers of this age or of any age in which juggling has been known. Like, okay. (laughs)
0: Wow. What a statement. It's like, it's like us again with a term paper where they're like, it's 5,000 words. And you're like, (laughs) Juggling has been known. <laughs> I love
1: juggling because juggling is fun and juggling is spelled J-U-G-G.
0: <laughs> Yeah, Do you know how to spell it? Do you know how many centuries it's been around me? Either, but I thought I'd ask. Yeah.
1: So after the cabinet act, the Davenport brothers would then hold a seance like their old routine where they now were using phosph- uh, phosphorescent oils on the instruments. Uh-huh. So they were floating around. So you kind of got an act where they were in the cabinet together, then an act where a volunteer joined and then an act with this with the. The music instruments everywhere. Wow. So here's the real question that like if I knew how to have um, phrased the story differently, we would be having a different conversation. Here's here's the big question I was going to ask you. Okay. Are the Davenport Brothers magicians or mediums? What do you think, Christine? Uh,
0: Mediums. (laughs) I personally
1: Uh, think they might have had a little bit of help with magic.
0: I think they're kind of like future TLC stars, you know? Or they, like a like a pen and teller kind of thing, Yeah, yeah, like some sort of uh TV show where they really try to trick you, that they're you know that they're magical, but they're just really good at.
1: Actually, isn't that a pen and teller show? Very well, like I think where Pen like, and
0: Teller are v- very like upfront that they don't believe in anything supernatural or paranormal.
1: Yes, but I'm like specifically when uh, with illusions. I meant not the. the oh actress. yeah, like illusion wise. Yeah, it feels very Penn and Teller. They have because they sure. have
0: like they're basically
1: like America's Got Talent, but it's just magic tricks, and then they right, 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 right. Great yes, fucking it does show.
0: Totally feel like that.
1: I do know that Penn and Teller uh, are wild skeptics, and that's because I was very lucky that um, for undergrad, my senior thesis uh, had to be in a class called like weird beliefs it was literally I just love
0: that lucky
1: and it was literally my teacher who was a massive skeptic was just ripping apart ghosts the whole fucking time <laughs> what? every kind of class? every uh cl- every chapter was a different like weird phenomena like near-death experiences or uh-huh. this is us debunking and, and he just debunked it the whole time oh, but yeah. our entire class like when we had to watch like educational videos about like our we had to watch Penn and teller <laughs>
0: Oh, because I uh, like it's so funny because I have a weird connection to them, too, because when um, so Lisa knows them really well. And so when I was in Vegas on the way, not for Bachelorette, that was a whole another experience with Lisa. But when Blaze and I were driving to L.A., we were in Vegas for a night and Lisa was like, here, I'll get you tickets to the Penn and Teller show. And we went and the whole time I was like. Because he was like, I want to be very clear that, like, I think, you know, people are taking advantage when they're doing, like, cold readings. Like, he was very upfront about being a sceptic. Sure. And I was like, oh, no, that hurts my feelings. And then afterward, I went up and was like, oh, I'm like, you know, we're Lisa's yeah, nephew and wife and stuff and talked to him for a little bit. But I was like, this was before we had the podcast. So nowadays, I think I would have been like, I'm going to leave that fact out because I think sure. like he's going to be like, no, thanks. I'm not interested in that. But yeah, he's a nice guy, but yeah, definitely skeptic.
1: Well, now we can tell him that we work at the same studio as him.
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. He's on this. He's on this network. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh my gosh, she's probably like that. Those people with the ouija board. That fucking girl. On there. Oh okay. Oh my god, she's putting ouija Thought boards up. Thought I'd never had to see her everything. again.
1: Well, <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> well, I. Uh, what was I gonna say? Shit. Uh, I don't oh, know. I'm sorry. Oh, I here's my that. thing. This was my favorite part of that class. So uh, basically, at the you had to pick a topic that was like a quote weird belief. And then you had to talk about it in every, in any way you wanted, based on your beliefs. You just had to back your argument.
2: Oh, and, okay.
1: And that was your senior. It had to be like forty fucking pages, but like you could do it on whatever you wanted. And. Like I ended up, there was a, like a practice paper beforehand that was worth like a very large chunk oh of boy. our actual senior sem because he was like being very kind. He was like, if you do better on the practice paper, like I'm going to remember that come your actual thesis paper. Aha, uh-huh, Yeah, yeah. And I didn't have to write a practice paper because instead I said, after this class, I have to go to my shift as a ghost hunter. So like, can I believe, <laughs> can I just like bring equipment from my job here and like take a, oh. like, take a whole class and do a presentation for everyone on the equipment? And can we
0: just call that my paper? And he went, yeah, that's fine. And I got an A. (laughs) Um, I pulled that fucking trick all the time in college because I'd be in any class that wasn't journalism. I'd be like, well, I know how to use a camera and edit. So I'd be like, how about I just make a video and a presentation instead of a paper? If you got it, want it. uh, And I learned how to code and make websites. So I was like, how about instead of writing like a 16-page paper, I just make a website? And they were like, wow, oh, my gosh. And I was like, Okay, So I just like went on like Squarespace didn't exist. But I went on and was like, here's my cool. It has a bunch of pictures. And people were so pissed. They were like, what the hell? And I was like, I will avoid writing a paper any way I can.
1: I Well, I really dug the fact that it was like the second to most important paper I'd ever write in my undergrad life. And he was like, yeah, you can just. Bring that in your EMF detector and call it a day. Smooth move, my And friend. he is friends with me on Facebook now, and he definitely knows what I do for a living, and he probably wants to... He's probably
0: like, I didn't do my job right. Have he a big, fat
1: argument with me. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so anyway, the question was, Is he? are they magicians or mediums? So, uh, surprisingly, actually not really surprisingly, because they didn't know what we know, um, or what you're about to know when I tell you how all this was done. Um, but a lot of people thought that they were mediums, and so they really did incidentally, further the spiritualism movement because Uh so many people were convinced that they had these gifts and they were communicating with spirits. Right. There were also, dare I say, equally the same amount of skeptics where they were like, look, no matter what, it's a great show, but like just be upfront that like you're not talking to spirits. And uh, until they died... They never confirmed nor denied either, which was kind of part of. Oh, that's fun. I liked it a lot. I thought it was like maybe they're doing it for like clout or like as their PR of like who's to say, like it's whatever you make it, blah, blah, blah. But I like that
0: it's, you get, you get, you make everybody kind of happy or, you know, you don't upset either party or like you can be a fan and you can be a fan.
1: Yeah, it was a really um, diplomatic way to handle it, I think. Yes, yes. And they, they poked fun at it all the time and they were like, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm a magician. Maybe. I can talk to spirits. Maybe I'm a magician. Like who knows? Um, Maybe I can play the banjo. So, <laughs> um, so that being said, their decision to neither confirm nor deny spiritualism, uh, because it was, that question was always attached to like if you are all if you are a medium, then you're confirming spiritualism is like a real movement we should pay attention right. to. So it was not just that they were covering their own asses, but they were like also making people question and consider this movement i see um and then the civil war hit yikes um Mm. it wasn't good for many people um no
0: no certainly not
1: and because so many people were out fighting or like you know they were are now you know nobody was around they ended up losing a lot of ticket sales because Mm -hmm. people weren't home anymore Um, and so or people like didn't want to go out and buy tickets to this kind of stuff like they had other priorities they needed to pay attention to so since their numbers were dwindling they were like well where else could we go for spiritualism like people who are believing this kind of stuff and we could almost like kind of put the veil over their eyes and they're like let's go to Europe because there's like sir Sweden there's an
0: opera singer (laughs)
1: Remember? <laughs> there is. She's, I was uh, waiting for you to say Sweden. I was like, she's no, still over there. That is actually very funny. But uh, so they went to England because they were like, well, that's uh-huh, where like yes. the Society of Psychical Research is. Right, it really is like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Every time I'm like, wow, it's so many it overlaps. Links. Yeah, it's like, it's like how many of these people knew each other? I love that. So um, they ended up going to England because spiritualism uh, was over there. And while the U.S. was preoccupied with civil uh, with the Civil War, and after touring the U.S. for ten years, they started their international tour. So uh, it went pretty well at first, but I guess everyone over there were they were much more. Um, confident or confident they were more uh willing to confront them about whether Uh or not they were real um whether or not they were really medium so people there were kind of taking their volunteer opportunities too seriously and when they were being told like here tie me to this chair and tie me as as hard as you can they were literally like cutting through their skin like they were like making them bleed because they were trying to tie them as fucking tight as possible Uh and uh a pa- or that's at least what we thought was happening the davenport the brothers were like oh you're hurting me and a yeah. doctor who happened to be in the audience was like they're not doing anything they can't cut off your circulation that bad just do the act like people were being real dicks about it whoa and so uh, okay their, their poor little like hype man reverend ferguson guy uh they were like they were telling him to like cut them out of the ties and they were like, we're walking off the stage. Like people are being mean to us. Like we're being heckled. People are trying to hurt us because they like would rather hurt us than like just enjoy a show. Yeah. Um, And so they started walking off of stages and it, they ended up in like causing riots because people <gasps> were pissed that they weren't getting answers out of them because they're little dodgy like, oh, who's to say what we are? England was like, no, no, no. We don't
0: play this <laughs> what game. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> and also, like, I just bought a ticket. Now you're leaving the stage. Right. Some asshole doctor. But also, I love that the Reverend, like, came overseas with them. <laughs> the- and I bet he bought his own ticket. He was like, boat, I, I would
1: happily sail the seas with
0: you. They're like, we didn't really invite him, but I guess he can come. <laughs> it's, he was
1: like, I'm taking this, this job way too He's seriously. Obsessed. So, uh... They ended up causing all these riots, people in Liverpool, especially, and then a couple other places in England. um, They started, like, destroying the spirit cabinets. Like, they were, like, rude. they were trying to fuck things up. Like, they were just so mad. And it ended up being so bad that their next stop was supposed to be France. And then authorities, like, held them from being able to come in because they were afraid people in France were going to cause
0: riots, too. And they were, trust me, I've been to France. They were going to cause a riot. And it was going to be a good time.
1: They're going to be, no, no, no. They're going to be really
0: (laughs) fucking pissed.
1: (laughs) Uh, So Ira actually quoted saying this, regarding the riots, all of England seemed to have gone mad on the subject of cabinet smashing, and speculative sharpers reached a rich harvest selling bogus pieces of smashed Davenport cabinets. What? So people were breaking (laughs) it apart and then trying to sell it on, like, basically... Like be Bananas. like, I have one of the shards of a Davenport cabinet. Give me five hundred shillings. I don't know. um <laughs> said the pirate. I don't know. um But so apparently, all of these like fake Davenport cabinet shards, people were like just going to a lumberyard and grabbing scraps of wood and saying, "Here's a Davenport cabinet." but I have a splinter for
0: you. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. So that was going on. They were getting like name called and heckled. So. Anyway, they tried going to France. It They ended up being able to get in. It just got halted for a second. Um, there was another scandal right before they went to France where um, another, like, practicing magician or, like, an upcoming magician um, spread this news that he had actually seen through the curtain and saw that they were, like, fiddling around with shit and they weren't tied down. So whether Uh-oh. or not that was a lucky guess or he actually did see it, he tried to spread it through, uh, <sighs> like the gossip magic world, I suppose. Oh yeah. And, um, runs deep here runs real deep. Um, (laughs) and luckily it got kind of like hushed away where it didn't become like a true problem, but it ended up at least in the, in the magic world working really well for that like whistleblower, because he ended up seeing what they were doing or at least whatever story he made up. He updated the Davenport cabinet and then put it in his act, like stole their act. Ah, So he was just rude. An evil one. But there were some good magicians who really liked them because even if they were like, I think it's kind of like icky that you're tricking people and making Mm -hmm. this a spiritual thing. But as illusionists, like you got something real good here.
0: Yeah. And And, uh, and honestly, I think it's better than the people who were like, oh, I can contact your dead daughter for you. Like that stuff is so much more sinister to me than like oh come i will show you a fun show on stage maybe it's ghosts you know
1: well so one of the people that really liked them um happened to be so his name was hamilton like he didn't have he was like known as like one word like hamilton oh got it apparently he was the son in law he was a magician too by the way he was the son-in-law of robert or jean robert houdin who, if you remember, oh, that's is right. the namesake of Houdini. Yes, yes, yes. So totally he was remember. like one of the first ever like real illusion artists. Wow. And when Harry Houdini was like eight years old, it was like the only book he ever read. Yeah. And so he, that's why he calls himself Houdini. His name's like Eric or something. But he, <laughs> <laughs> he calls himself Houdini. So um, Eric. <laughs> so Hamilton, who was, I guess him and his father-in-law had a lot in common since they loved magic, at least. Can you imagine if you like, that was a thing you bonded up? You met, like, your girlfriend's dad and you, like, yeah. are, like, having, like, a magic war, you well, know? Well, I'm just
0: saying the girlfriend definitely had a type where she was like, <laughs> she I want to marry someone just like my dad. No, like, like literally just like my dad. I'm pretty sure like she like was P.T. Barnum jerks.
1: or something. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, so Hamilton, he reached out when he found out about this, like, scandal about, like, them trying to get, like, outed for not be, you know be being spiritual or have like summoning spirits and he basically wrote to them being like that guy's fucking jealous like whether or not you're like spiritualists like you were still doing a great trick and like he broke the magician's code of like so yeah. like we're still on your side so it ends up not being too bad and fun fact houdini also really liked them so i want to give you credit because that's that's one of the things that i was thinking of like at least people like houdini who wanted to like Oh, lambast higher. all of these uh mediums and like who are damaging people at right. least these people were like we're not going to tell you what we are we want you to it's up to for interpretation and i think houdini was kind of into that he was like yeah you're you're doing your own thing and you don't care what people think but you're also not hurting anyone so
0: and not to be like that guy again but to totally do it uh chris angel i feel like has the same uh approach where he's not like well, i would say like, so who knows how it's possible i
1: feel like I, that's, <laughs> I feel like that's why i always mix him up with david blaine because they both kind of have that vibe yeah. for a while of like obviously it's just magic but it is pretty unbelievable but that it's you like kind of question
0: yeah like i feel like it's our brains can't totally comprehend it like at the same how time. are you
1: walking on water what is uh, going on
0: i used so, to read blogs oh my god <laughs> listen i was ups- i had a problem for a while there
1: did you like the chris angel tv show
0: Yes, I used to watch it like obsessively, and I when I learned that I guess he had dated Britney Spears, and I had like a meltdown because I was like, "I'll never be as hot as Britney Spears," and I wanted to marry him, you know. And so, anyway, I had him like I had a lot of years of really questionable. Wait, he thoughts. did? He did? He dated Britney Spears? Listen, that's what was on a blog, so it, I could very well have just read some random user on the internet saying that. That but makes I think me, so.
1: If that's the case, I really feel like it explains so much
0: about where- ZB no mm. i don't I know I thinking like he's dating holly madison like they're all dating these like super hotties and i'm thinking like well
1: i was gonna say i never understood how britney got to like a space where she's writing things like i'm a slave and like that feels chris angelic Ah, it does doesn't it yeah
0: i feel like that uh, song
1: makes a little more sense now
0: i'm gonna google it because i could totally be making that up um let's but, pretend it's real let's just oh the no fun they of totally it. dated oh <gasps> Yep. Fun. Okay. Chris Angel intended to... This is a Vice article. Uh, Chris Angel intended to transform Britney Spears into birds at 2007 <laughs> VMAs. <laughs> I'm sorry. Could you say that again in slow motion, please? Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put on my journalism voice. In today's news. Reporting live at 10. Reporting live. This is Christine Schieffer of ATWD Radio. <laughs> Breaking news We just uh, we just received. Chris Angel intended to transform Britney Spears into birds at 2007 <laughs> VMAs. According to mid Otts Magic Sensation, Chris Angel, you explode into a flock of birds. At least that was his plan for Britney Spears. Oh, my. Heart. I have heartburn because. <laughs> What's going on? It was so
1: that was so enjoyable.
0: It Can was you just like look at them. Um, oh, sorry.
1: <sighs> it makes it's sense.
0: Wild.
1: Kismet. That was kismet. Can you? Can someone Man. please take that picture and then, um, and then Photoshop birds into it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you know I have a, ph- a Photoshop picture of me with Chris Angel? Listen, okay, I sh- no. I've said too much. I've said too much. I've said too much. Can someone much. hack into Chris's computer for that picture only? No, nope, the end. It's somewhere on Facebook. I'm going to delete it right after we finish recording. I
1: would like a picture of you being in like a cuddle puddle. Like you're in the middle of the, the hug sandwich between like. <laughs> David Blaine, Chris Angel, and then like Zach Bagans, and like, ah. and then Patrick Sump. Like, just like all four oh, strong no. gothic men I holding think it's you. That's too
0: much for me. It'd to be, handle. You'd be
1: so sturdy.
0: Wow. You would just be. Oh my God. Never.
1: Would just, you would never fall.
0: I would just be a big puddle of, <laughs> of, of like emo. It teenager. would be,
1: that would be at least 800 muscles press into you. <laughs> Wow. Well, that got weird. <laughs> it got exactly what I wanted. I didn't know I wanted it until it happened, but I was like, yeah, this is right. Um, so anyway, that being said, other magicians were uh, who usually ex- try to expose frauds um, like Houdini. Houdini himself wasn't doing it, but there were still magicians who I guess still had a vendetta. Some people, I guess, had a problem with the fact that they were claiming to also maybe be spiritualists. Um So surprisingly, the one magician of the time who was known to be debunking people was like on cool terms with them. And then there were other magicians trying to steal their act. Um, So anyway, so they got to France. uh, They and then there was another scandal where a volunteer examined a cabinet and then intentionally tried to break off a railing from the seats and then announced to the audience that he found spring loaded seats in there. Um, oh, boy. So just to, like, cause, like, a panic, I suppose. And he, like, the audience did freak out and the police had to, like, clear the room. Oh, my God. And, um... It's like th- vandalism. And then they ended up for the rest of their tour in France getting, like, a like an order where they had to limit their seances to only, like, 60 people or something.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Uh, they also traveled to Ireland, Germany, Belgium, Russia, Poland, and S- Sweden. Um... And their first public seance in St. Petersburg was the biggest one. It was attended by a thousand people. Oh, wow. So they also held seances for celebrities, royalty, like emperors, very notable people. They would do it in their homes. They would do private seances for these people. And they would perform for scientists and the press who were trying to debunk them. Um, In 1868, they returned to England and the Anthropological Society appointed a a committee to investigate them. And not just that committee, um, but there were several scientific studies, probably like the SPCR and things like that. They were trying to scientifically categorize or find data about spiritualism and like being able to summon spirits and all these sorts of things. So Mm -hmm. they were part of a lot of um, new experiments to see if they could try to, like, analyze this or contain it in some way. Makes um, sense. But every committee that investigated them and every scientific study that they did that was probably still a little bit trying to debunk what they were up to, um, nobody could ever pinpoint them with any fraudulent activity. Oh. So uh, one of the people actually doing a study on them said that the spirits were, quote, absolutely true and belong to the spiritual order of things in every respect. And there was, this is where it, it gets k- kind of fishy. There were some trials where they last minute just decided they weren't going to be a part of it because the uh, the committee's standards or what they proposed to do didn't, uh, it wasn't like to the standard that the Davenport brothers wanted or like they didn't okay. like the conditions and so they would just decide uh, last minute they didn't want to be a part of it. Um, and it just sounded like, oh, all of a sudden they were being told what was going to happen and it was going to mm-hmm. out them. Mm-hmm. Um. So skeptical reporters did say, like, the ones that got to, like, tie the knots and things like that or investigate the knots or investigate how they were being tied down or um, things like that. Skeptical reporters did say all of the knots looked like you had to have been a sailor to know that profound of knot tying. So they're probably not ghosts. They're probably children who were taught rope tricks and tra- uh-huh. since <laughs> childhood. <laughs> by daddy so in 1876 the brothers toured india um they also toured with a guy named william marion faye who was also an up-and-coming performer and uh ed davies who was at the time the premier ventriloquist of the world the world's best ventriloquist so they were basically their own little um illusionist circus or traveling situation i'm not sure the traveling situation. The traveling yeah. situation. That was what we did
0: with last year. That's <laughs> certainly what we did. <laughs> nothing when, more, nothing less. Remember when
1: your mom called this like the, the murder radio situation?
0: Oh she literally called it like the murder situation show. And I was like, the what? She's <laughs> like, you know, your murder situation show. Oh. And I was like, well, that's rude. I dare you to say she was wrong, though. So. She was definitely right, but it was three weeks in, so we were taking ourselves very seriously. <laughs> and and at now I'm like, okay, yeah, she was onto something. But.
1: So these shows, uh, though they seemed to be the 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 traveling situation. I mean, sorry. The <laughs> so the traveling situation, even though it seemed to be more about magic and, uh, and illusionist stuff, it also had like some weird like competitions involved. There was also spiritualist stuff. It was just like a weird variety show. Um, and then they planned on going to Australia. But um, once they got to Australia, before they started touring, uh, William got sick, and he ended up dying at like like 36 of tuberculosis slash consumption. That's so sad. Um, There was a newspaper article in the Hobart Mercury in 1877, and it wrote, The Davenport Fay Company are in the north making money fast. William Davenport... Uh, however, is not likely to enjoy it long, for he is evidently going really to the land of spirits.
0: Um,
1: oh. And then very quickly after nice. that, he died that summer right after marrying someone. Um, and there was also speculation about whether he actually died from TB, but his Ira's great-grandson, Doc Davenport, which just sounds like a magical person in the woods. <laughs> Doc <Davenport>. um, <laughs> He, he sounds like he's a sailor uh, but like the like only peop- scientist like the only me. people on his ship are like little woodland creatures <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes like a mad scientist also um, so uh, Doc Davenport who is Ira's great grandson he confirmed for people that William did die of tuberculosis and he also like in this like confirmation decided like he was feeling a little zazzy and decided to throw in some drama at the same time um okay. and talked love, about love William's it. scandalous love life oh yeah and said that William was once actually secretly married uh, before he <sighs> was married to his wife where that he when he died in the same year there was another woman no one knew about <gasps> named Ada or Ada um, A- Ada it has an H at the end so I'm not sure Ada Uh, Isaacs Mencken who was at the time the highest earning actress and she herself was very scandalous because she had no problem with nudity and Ah. she was known he
0: he was taking his pants off on stage all the time she probably
1: saw one of his shows and went that's the one for me that's my guy (laughs) found him uh (laughs) apparently she was famous for like this one play she did where she rode a horse across a stage naked
0: cool maybe he was at her show didn't like Daniel
1: Radcliffe did that do that he, uh, that's Equus. I think he just stood by the ho- horse. He okay, did get well, naked on naked. stage. He did get naked on stage. It was not the same show, though. Just okay. different naked thing, people different horses. Different naked horse shows. Got yeah. it. Got it.
0: Got it. <laughs> the naked
1: horse situation. Um,
0: yeah. Oh, God. That is not our podcast, to be clear.
1: <laughs> uh, and so uh, he said that they were secretly married. Um, and they they were secretly married as in like they were never legally married because she was legally married to someone else
0: aha aha and
1: they apparently had a rocky relationship because she was married to someone else but after he died Ada confirmed for people that her son was actually his not her husband's (gasps) Tea time Tuesday. Oh, my God. Oh, my
0: goodness. (laughs) That is drama.
1: When William died, uh, so that was also just thrown in there with like, no, 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 he had tuberculosis. Also, while we're talking about things that went down. (laughs) No way. Uh, So when William died, which this sounds like something I would do for you if you died, Uh Ira allegedly, quote, ordered a magnificent memorial for him on which was carved a representation of their act. So it was like <gasps> this carving shrine made of ropes, cabinets, and other seance props.
0: Oh, yeah, you would first. That's an M
1: move all the way. I'd be like, why isn't there a Lisa Frank Ouija board on your gravestone? I don't understand. <laughs> you would just tape it on yeah. But apparently in Australia, I don't know if it was because it was in Australia or He died in Australia, and this was all set up there. But after he made the shrine, he never got permission from the cemetery, and they couldn't take the shrine. So it's actually, like, placed... The monument is placed outside of the cemetery. Oh, no! (laughs) So, like, his ghost is just, like, looking like, oh, it looks so great. It's like, like, I'm sure it looks awesome, dude. Thanks. So um, it was placed outside instead. In 1911, Ira also would die, but just before he did... Their friend, Houdini, exposed them. <laughs> Come on. And he was like legitimately like they were pen pals. They would visit each other. Like they were friends. But I think he... Something happened. Maybe he thought Ira already died and he like let the cat out too early. And then like it was like, oh, Ooh. shit, he's still alive and just heard what I did. And, like Oh, awkward. He saw my tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, literally like right before he died, he told everyone... Um, this was a, a quote, and in his book called A Magician Among the Spirits, which by the way was quite a reference to all of my notes. Okay. Um so Houdini said, While on tour in Australia for himself, he was also on tour in Australia, mm-hmm. I hunted up the grave of William Davenport, and finding it sadly neglected, I had put in order fresh flowers planted on it and the stonework repaired. Ira, the surviving brother was so touched by this act that he taught me the famous Davenport rope tie, the secret oh. of which had been so well cut that not even his sons knew it.
2: <gasps>
1: and so fun fact in the book, there's also a whole paragraph dedicated to Ira's love life. People are just. Oh cra- man. Which his isn't like as like uh negative dramatic or like scandalous dramatic, but it is kind of wild. Apparently Ira literally had like a love at first sight moment with his wife who did not speak English. And he had a he was touring in France and oh, then right. he saw this woman after his show and had the translator that was with him just say, like, Will you be my wife? And then she <laughs> said yes. <laughs> and then uh apparently okay, but what if
0: the translator like mistranslated it and it Ooh. was just like do you want to get coffee and it's like he wants to marry you well oh if awkward
1: that, if that's the case then like the coffee date went real well because apparently <laughs> houdini said that he had like never met a couple that were just so in love oh so they were like having a great time um So anyway, so Houdini, I'm almost done, sorry. Houdini also wrote that Ira often said that he and his brother, again, never claimed to be mediums or pretended that their work was spiritualistic. They just kind of avoid the situation. But Houdini did say that Ira and William kind of let their parents die believing that they did have superhuman powers. They never told them to think anything else. Okay, Um, that's nice. Here's another fun fact, which is kind of Special until you realize that, like, Houdini, like, straight up told their secrets Mm -hmm. to people. Um, I'm going to pretend it was, like, for a a, a good reason or, like, a sweet reason or something. Um, But Ira, when he, right before he died, his final words to Houdini were, Houdini, we started it, you finish it. (gasps) And so I guess because Houdini was the only person he ever told his cabinet trick to and his rope trick to.
0: Wow!
1: So he was like,
0: "How touching." He
1: was like, "I'll fucking finish it," and
0: it's then he like, just, oh, "Oh, I'll do." Th- I already did. I actually I did like, it on Twitter a few hours ago. Don't
1: check the tweets. Don't like, check
0: Twitter. Let's
1: put <laughs> put your phone on Do Not Disturb. I'll. It's okay.
0: <laughs> Trust me. Um,
1: so the anyway, the most successful uh, successors of Ira and William was actually the guy that they went on tour with, the William Faye, as well as another guy that worked for them called Harry Keller, and basically once um william died ira tried to go back out on tour with william or with uh, a william Mm fay and apparently it was just too hard and so he ended up leaving but william fay and uh harry keller ended up getting together um and so they ended up going on tour together as like their uh, you know the the grasshopper becomes the master or something whatever what's the thing the grasshopper. That's what I was
0: trying to say earlier when I said they got bigger than dad or made, I don't know. Yeah. Kind I, of.
1: Generationally speaking, this was like the second time in yeah. a row. Um, I, I know that sounds wrong. The grasshopper.
0: I think those are two, maybe they're two separate. It's like two the, things that I'm mixing up at the same the time. The student becomes the master and then like. The grasshopper. A young "Ah, young grasshopper becomes the
1: the birds in Britney Spears' hair. Yeah.
0: That's right. At the VMAs Uh in 2007. (laughs) Yes. So it all makes sense.
1: Anyway, two of their, like, um, their proteges, I suppose, ended up b- becoming another successful team. And they kept the, the uh, Davenport Spirit cabinet part of their act. But what they did is, when they were traveling everywhere, they realized that the cabinet was like way too heavy and inconvenient to travel with. So they would literally build them for each show and then just abandon it there. And so for years, there was just all these abandoned Davenport cabinets I all love over that. the world wow um all right i don't know if it was all over the world but it was at least in a few places like mexico Uh, there was um uh apparently uh keller went back oh uh back to like mexico a couple years later and like saw it right where they left it like no one touched it um oh i want one so bad (laughs) someone go to mexico and get me uh one of those i
0: would love oh davenport so
1: they ended up leaving them, uh, yeah, in different towns. I wonder if some of them still exist. If you know of one, please take a picture and send it to us. I'm,
0: I'm. Please take it and send it to me.
1: It, that has to be worth millions, though. Now, I mean, it was like, li- like it's over a hundred years old. It's almost two hundred. I'm gonna percent. find
0: it. I'm gonna find one.
1: <laughs> Just like what, like. Hot spotted or something? EBay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so after they died, um, Houdini took their acts on and used them in his own performances, which he did have permission for, um, probably because since he learned the trick, I think maybe Ira knew what he was doing when he told him the secret because he knew Houdini and he knew that Houdini was there to expose frauds. And if Houdini could have had a new, really spectacular act to prove that you shouldn't trust what you see before your eyes... I think yeah. Ira kind of gave him the permission on, like, this Especially is what we were doing. Especially
0: with that line, like, you finish it, you know. Exactly.
1: So Houdini yeah. ended up taking on the act himself and doing it. Um, and therefore, the Davenport brothers weren't just influ- influential in spiritualism, but also in the magic world, because they now have one of the most famous um, early acts. Um, I love that. And this, uh, basically, it, it because they never, again, confirm or denied, and they just kind of used their what are we, as like almost clout or a PR campaign, um, it ultimately furthered spiritualism. So they accidentally did that too. So now before this ends, I am going to tell you how it was done, this cabinet trick, because
0: I've been letting it linger and then I'm done. Well, I'm going to get one soon anyway, so you might as well teach me now.
1: If not, we can just build one. We'll just get a big old... There's a Wait, wardrobe can somewhere.
0: Make, can we just make the blues clues wardrobe <laughs> into a Davenport cabinet?
1: <laughs> it's the blues man groups wardrobe. Okay, we'll shop, well, it. We'll shop work, it. We'll shop it.
0: We'll shop it. We'll shop it. That. Please. So
1: here's how it was done. The volunteers were all plants. So uh, not. Oh, not I was wondering like, that earlier. Not like succulents. Like they were like. <laughs>
0: <it>. They brought <laughs> cacti in with them. Yes.
1: No, they were like they were they were. A setup
0: planted in the audience. Yeah.
1: Yes. So um
0: I said it, and really? there was a wow. There was
1: a silence, and I was like, "She thinks I'm talking about fucking flowers."
0: um <laughs> like, wow, what a what a weird surprise. Yeah. So
1: the volunteers who joined them in the cabinet uh were plants, and so they were able to also help kind of dishevel and, like, pull their own pants
0: down, probably bingo, and also yeah. like
1: play instruments and you know make the whole room shake uh-huh. and clatter. Um, and uh ferguson was i said was also a plant because they knew how much he loved them Mm, um so remember the two acts were at first they're in the cabinet alone and the second one is when they would have a volunteer planted in the audience Mm -hmm. so the first one they didn't have a volunteer so they they how were they doing it by themselves in there then if they really are tied down oh sure so in those cases non-plant volunteers Um, who were there to tie the knots. Remember, they still had someone come up and at least tie them down. They would just pick people who looked like really like the wealthiest ones or like people who like have who looked like other people do work for them, basically. And uh-huh. so they were like, I know they don't know how to tie a knot. So Smallest
0: biceps, really. Yeah. yeah Smallest like, forearms.
1: They don't look like they were a Boy Scout. So, right, um, right. Interesting. They I got don't look it. like they're a sailor, it. or they don't look like they're strong. or Like a laborer.
0: Exactly. Like, they look yeah. like
1: they've really never moved in their life. That's so,
0: hilarious. So they
1: knew that no matter what, they would p- do a, a shittier knot, and then if they uh, actually were getting, like, surprisingly tight with the knot, if you just go, like, like naturally people are going to stop. And yeah, so yeah, they yeah. would do it before it ever really hurt. They would just act like they were too tight. <laughs> and so they were just, conf- like, guaranteeing it was always going to be kind of loose. like, gaslighting
0: everybody. Got it. Yeah.
1: And also the... <laughs> Like the the wincing like made it look really good for the show too. So, yeah,
0: right. So look they how were strong. You are exactly. Oh, you're
1: so strong. Oh. Yeah. Um. So that was basically how they did it with the the people who weren't actually plants. They would just pretend that they were tight. They were just loose the the, the ropes. Um. And then if they uh, for the flower, I still don't understand how they did this. I'm guessing they basically had like whatever the version then of wet wipes was in a pocket. And Uh so they would put all the flour. They would they had the flour in their hands. They would quote tie themselves down, and then once they were able to wriggle free, they would just like put all of the flour back in the pocket, do a bunch of shit, and then wipe themselves off beforehand with like something wet that would collect the flour. Sure, and then put the flour back in, and then put it back in their (laughs) hands and and wriggle back into the ropes. So, um, uh, for the levitation acts that they did, all of those were during the dark seances where it was pitch black. And basically, they would just tilt someone's... uh, Notice how everyone, by the way, that levitated, they were maybe, like, mostly children... Uh, right. So they could like lift the chair kind of easy on their own. And you only had to lift them a little bit. And the human mind freaks you out enough to think that you're all the way up at the ceiling.
0: Ooh, so yeah, if yeah, you
1: yeah. like just tilt one side of someone's chair and kind of brush the top of their head, they think they like hit the ceiling. So oh, my. god. <laughs> so they would just like fuck with people like I mean, it's just being in the dark. People are already psyched out and they just manipulated yeah, yeah, them. yeah.
0: Um, so, well, and there's also like instruments that so you probably don't hear it if like they're scraping or if you're like messing exactly, around. Yeah.
1: So huh. that was their levitation. When it came to the actual ropes and untying themselves, um, like I said, they were always relatively loose, but it was the construction of the cabinet itself because the way that uh. they were tied in with the ropes is so that it was one massive rope. Basically they would, let me make sure I read this right. Um, so the benches had two holes in them and the brothers would be facing each other on the benches. Rope, The rope would be tied first around brother number one, let's say Ira. So it'd be tied mm. around his knees, and then it would spiral downward all the way to his ankles. So like mm. all his whole shins, calves are wrapped up. Then um, uh, across the way, so it would get to his feet, and then that rope would keep going, keep going, keep going, and start at William's ankles and go mm. up his knee. So that right. way they were tied to the same rope. They were they're right. on different ends of the same rope. And then the same thing happened with their wrists. And so the in layman's terms, because that's all I've got for you, is they would <laughs> uh, kind of be, like, really tense as they were tying, like, let, like letting people loosely tie them. They would sure. super tense themselves. And then they had this kind of dance choreography down where once the door was closed, if they relaxed, there was already some slack. But also right. if... Uh, the way they kind of had to do like a team effort where if I removed his hands this way, there was now all of a sudden like a foot more slack of rope for William to have. And so it was almost like rowing a boat and they were in sync. So That's
0: kind of amazing on its own.
1: Yeah, so like you could like get yourself, at least your legs free enough to wriggle if like both of you work together. And then when they had to, when they knew the door was going to open again, they'd put it all back on and then just like stretch and tense up as hard as they could. So it looked like the rope was taut. Wow. Um, And so here's the other things that they would do just to, like, guarantee nothing would happen. Um, Before uh, or during private performances, because remember they, like, had, like, famous people having uh, shows or, like, hosting shows at their houses. Mm -hmm. They would, uh, let's say this famous person was, like, Chris Angel. (laughs) No, Britney Spears. A Swedish opera singer. (laughs) Birds. It's a bunch of birds. So they would... um, If there was like an audience of like 10 personal people at this house, they would, because it caused, to prevent spirit collusion, one of the ways that they were, uh, they would uh, keep that from happening is they would have to tie strings to everyone's button shirts it was, it makes no sense, but they would weave string through people's like button up shirts, buttons. And so, and they would, it would all connect almost like they were tying them up. So nobody could get up to go like exploring while the lights were off. If that makes like literally, yes, it makes sense. Tying them together, like roping them together, but with something so tiny, no one felt threatened. Right. Um, And so they would say like avoided or prevented spirit collusion, which makes literally no sense. For sure. They just didn't want people (laughs) getting up and looking around. Um, Uh next uh they said that uh they also had they had at least 10 plants in every show so it wasn't just like one volunteer it was at least 10 people they could rely on um and they also uh placed traps in the aisles so nobody would try to like bull rush the stage and like see and try to mess with the cabinets when they were in there um and that way no one would sneak on stage and surprise them so anyway that's how it got done and that is the Davenport Brothers
0: wow they seem much more reputable to me than the the fox sisters yeah they weren't trying
1: to they weren't i mean i guess they were trying to like trick people but they weren't trying to uh part of the shtick was like you didn't really know what the truth was they
0: weren't like taking advantage of like vulnerable people in my mind
1: and they weren't flat out lying either
0: right 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 wow that was a fun one em thank you for our pseudo christmas episode yeah Um, you know christmas is
1: christmas is magical
0: christmas is magical sometimes probably not this year but we'll see <laughs> all right my turn mm-hmm. okay um so i know i said that this was not really a christmas story but it actually kind of is a christmas story oh shit okay cool so uh here we go <laughs> happy holidays everyone um this is a big one people have been asking for since day one um oh so this is like uh, yeah you, you here we go is all i have to say this how do is i not know what this is okay of john benet ramsey
1: <gasps> oh christine <laughs> oh christine yeah.
0: it's a it's a doozy as we like to say it's a boozy doozy so get your drinks because you need it um, i you, you know one. what
1: i have a carton of ice cream at home that now i have a reason i haven't <laughs> even heard the story yet i can't wait to go home and finish that off now because i'm gonna need it by the end of this
0: yeah, I got my box straws downstairs, which is happening directly. Let after me get this. cozy. Let
1: me take my orthopedic slippers off real quick. There you go. Okay. Someone, by the way, um,
0: I I saw you
1: on Twitter. Someone said something about my fish flops, and you were like, Why are you wearing banana leaves on your feet? And I was like, Hey, they're I said that? No, someone on Twitter, oh. I'm saying, I saw you, whoever tweeted oh, oh, that. Oh, oh. Someone said that my fish flops looked like banana leaves. And I was like, they're fish. Excuse me. They look like dead fish. Thank you very much. <laughs> they actually do kind of look like banalis because I went and watched the episode where that tweet came out and I went Ooh, yeah you can only see like <laughs> a little green a little yellow so anyway well orthopedic slippers off.
0: Orthopedic slippers are off. Everybody have your drink. Okay great. Yep. So this is a wild tale. How much do you know about this M? I'm curious.
1: I gotta be anything. honest for someone who has 200 episodes of a true crime episode podcast i literally know nothing at all i I know that
0: you're pretty good about like keeping out of like preparing for the other person to do a story
1: well even then like i certainly didn't actively try to not learn about her i think i just like somehow moved past it every time like people are usually shocked when they hear the like i don't really like outside of this podcast have an interest in true crime like i never a lot of people during marvel monday will be like what's your favorite like right In, like investigation discovery show and i'm like i literally watch none of them i <laughs> i don't know so like this this stuff unless you tell me about it i don't know
0: yeah because we really i mean when we started the podcast it was very much like a divided like this is your like forte and this is my forte yeah and there's a reason we split like sides let's teach was, each like, other about it so. exactly exactly i know it's um, the
1: blonde girl and i uh-huh. know i guess she went missing i because everyone's like where's John Ram Ramsey?" And she was like in a toddlers and tiaras kind of situation, and people think the brother did it.
0: That's what I know, and that's it. It's pretty, it's pretty solid summation, I will say. Um, cool. And w- when we get to the end, I think that might be just a good theory. Just a good like recap of all of the above. So, got it. I'm just gonna get into it because this one confounds me. It stresses me out. It frustrates me. I've watched every single documentary on that I can get my hands on wow. uh, at least twice. Like. And twice. then again, for this episode, I like, I just find it so fascinating. And it's okay. I want to preface too; it's one of those things where a lot of people have very strong opinions. And um, it's one of those things where every documentary has such an angle, like, whether intentionally or unintentionally, that almost every time I watch a documentary, I'm like, Wait. Okay. So he did it, or oh, she okay. did it. So they do a really uh, good
1: job of convincing you of it could be anyone.
0: It's yeah. It's sort of like one of those things where you could kind of go a lot of ways, and I'm huh. pretty open minded to a lot of the options. So oh. it's, so do I'm you? Not, like, do you have a
1: personal um, preference or a, a preference like a, like an opinion on what happened? I do. I do. Okay, we'll we'll hear about it by the end.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you at the end what I think. um, But again, when I say what I think, it's not like I know that happened. It's kind of like that's where I'm leaning. Right.
1: And apologies in advance in case this gets me as fucking wild and riled as uh, last week. I hope it does. I got yeah. real fired up about that and I felt bad. I went home and was like shit, like I really hope I wasn't like too intense. No, but- I felt
0: bad cuz I mean full disclosure everyone Emma had to go to their their funeral, the Zoom oh. funeral. So I was trying <laughs> yeah. to like I was trying to like rush through the story. So I hope it didn't come off like I was like pushing past your comments or anything i really I was,
1: had i been here for one more minute i would have missed the memorial service for sure so I yeah like, i know
0: that i was literally watching you. my clock like like oh that's interesting m anyway <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I hope it didn't come off like that i wasn't trying to be like dismissive no but truly no. on this one especially i i rewatched four, five five documentaries for this like in the last how many hours, hours of
1: work do you think you put in for this well, I hate to
0: call it work when it's just like because after the notes were done, then I was like, I'm just gonna like binge all the oh okay <laughs> documentaries. And so if it was technically work, like prepping my mind, but it wasn't sure, you know, hard work. Um, and then I'll tell you at the end too, like what my favorite documentaries are, if anyone's interested. Okay, sure. so if you do have questions, M, please ask because I am in a headspace to discuss this. Ooh.
1: Okay. Oh my god, Ooh. I love when Christine's in a headspace.
0: <laughs> a weird ad space all day i
1: kind of digging it though like whatever's <laughs> happening i like I'm it's frenetic
0: ele- it's electric i'm like <laughs> okay let's I'm go feeling like jazzed up all right so this is a christmas tale because it occurred on christmas oh, um okay.
1: so <laughs> i was like yo like yeah you were
0: like wait holiday hold on yeah it's uh it's it occurred during the holidays so it technically 1996 the day after christmas hmm. patsy ramsey mother of two Headed downstairs very, very early in the morning. She lives um, with her husband and two kids in Boulder, Colorado. As she went down her spiral staircase, she noted three pieces of A4 sized paper laid out neatly on one of the stairs. Okay. They had writing on it that read, Mr. Ramsey listen carefully and this is kind of a long a lot of paragraphs all over the place or whatever okay like this is the definition of there's paragraphs everywhere look out or whatever (laughs) that thing was called (laughs) this is a lot of
1: paragraphs why don't i just literally look up what that
0: no because it's way more fun to make up a new one
1: i know the word paragraphs is at the end and the like gist is there's a lot of them
0: like (laughs) and it's the gist is like it's pretty chaotic so buckle up
1: That's what the article should have been called. It's pretty chaotic, (laughs) so buckle up.
0: So that's what's happening here, and it is a bunch of paragraphs, (laughs) and I'm going to read it to you and just, like, let me know what you think, I guess. Okay. Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business, but not the country it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want to see... If you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. Whoa. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. 100000 will be in $100 bills and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attache to the bank. <laughs> okay.
1: Thank you. Okay, so <laughs> someone bad. there is uh diva. Got it.
0: It's, it's, that Please sounded don't. A little...
1: I don't mean to stereotype, but it sounded a little fashion forward. It was like, bring the appropriate size (laughs) attache and don't you dare bring two.
0: Yeah. And also like no reusable tote bags, please. We need to look professional here. Exactly. (laughs) When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. Oh, if we monitor, <laughs> oh my God! If we Oof. monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence an earlier pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for a proper burial. <gasps> the two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you not to provoke them. Oh my God. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police or FBI, will result in your daughter being beheaded.
1: <sighs> what does that face mean? Does she get beheaded? No. Oh, no. my God. What? No, she doesn't. Does <laughs> no, she? she, doesn't. No, oh, she okay. does not get beheaded. <laughs> wow. You know, you have a lot of power right now, and you can tell me <laughs> anything you want, and I'd be like, oh, my God.
0: Okay, she can uh, be beheaded. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. If you talk to the police, she will be beheaded. Holy if shit. we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. What? Okay, so I think like... I that was trying just to say like
1: anyone. Don't be distracted by absolutely anything. Just yeah, or like don't handled.
0: let this leak anywhere, even to your neighbor's dog or something. Holy fuck. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It's up to you now, John. Victory! Signed, S-B-T-C. Hmm. So that's what she finds on the stairs <laughs> day after oh, Christmas.
1: Good morning. Wow. Hello. Um, <laughs> okay. My opinion so far, this is not the thing to focus on, but I'm wondering why 118,000 specifically. Good. Uh,
0: yeah. Glad you glad you noted that. Yes. It's just such a weird, like, at least round it up. Like, come yeah, on. Exactly. Um, exactly. Ding, ding, ding. Red flag. Uh. If we're
1: playing escape game rules, then SBC, whatever, I imagine that's, like, the first initial of each of their names or something. Um, it sounds like it, yeah. And, or maybe, like, the, it's, like, the acronym of, like, a sentence that they, or, like, a belief or something. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, because they wrote victory before it.
1: Yeah. So it sounds, like, anonymous when it's, like, you, like, expect us or whatever. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay, so I don't know what I
0: think. I. That's okay, terrifying. Good. Because, I mean, to this day, I still don't. 100 percent know what i think so what was I mean, like the what,
1: first the first sent the f- that was the yeah, weird part
0: it was weird it, it's we are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction okay is that the part you meant yeah i was like great yeah it does okay it's just it's just odd obviously it's just like it's, it's just wild um, so
1: also my like my big fear like i've just seen enough like horror movies where like the thing that I'm real panicked about, like I should be more panicked about, like a child missing who might get beheaded. But like my <laughs> current fear is when I hear, like, you have a big day of like, like finding her is gonna be really difficult. That sounds like some saw shit. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. you better rest up because we're gonna start breaking bones tomorrow.
0: It's so weird. It's like the delivery will be exhausting. So yeah. I advise it's, you to be rested. It's I like, would be okay, prepared to so take a nap. Like, what?
1: I would be prepared like, oh, you're going to torture me. I imagine you're going to torture me.
0: Yeah. Or like make this a living hell somehow. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. Anyway. Re- weird, weird, weird. So she finds this letter and it's three pages on the staircase, like laid out, um, handwritten. And Patsy immediately rushes. She ye- she yells She t- for John, who's dressing upstairs. She rushes to check in on her daughter, Jean Benet, who was nowhere to be found, was not in her bed. So she and John uh wake up or she wakes John up, she gets him downstairs. She's, you know, they check on Burke the brother. He's in his room and uh despite the warning to not call the police and obey orders, they call 911. Okay. Which in like yeah, you know. I mean, <laughs> I get it. Like I I think I would have done the same. Yeah. Sure.
1: I would have, you know, sorry. sorry. I mean,
0: what else are you going to do?
1: Sorry, kids. Yeah. By like sorry. I like pro- I, I would have my, my really like cynical side would come out where I, if I got a letter like that, I would just assume whoever was being held for ransom was already dead. I'd be like, cause yeah, it, there's those sick people where it's like they died the second I kidnapped them. I just wanted to like fuck with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it happens. And uh, what else are you supposed to do? So she calls 911 and I'm going to read you the 911 call, <laughs> AKA role play it by myself. So wish oh, luck. Great. Okay. I'll be the dispatcher, but I'm not going to interact at all. Okay, so I'm going to be the dispatcher, actually, and Patsy, because I'm going to say the whole conversation. But you're just going to have to guess who's who. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I think I'll figure it out pretty quick. You will. 911 emergency. That's Patsy. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs)
1: That was actually the news reporter from the bird story.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. 911 emergency. And then there's an inaudible noise, and Patsy says, police. 911 says, what's going on? 755 15th Street. What is going on there, ma'am? We have a kidnapping. Hurry, please. Explain to me what is going on, okay? We have a... There's a note left and our daughter is gone. A note was left and your daughter is gone? Yes. How old is your daughter? She is six years old. She is blonde. Six years old. How long ago was this? I don't know. I just found a note and my daughter's missing. Does it say who took her? What? Does it say who took her? No, I don't know. It's there. There's a ransom note here. It's a ransom note? It says SBTC Victory, please. Okay. What's your name? Are you Patsy Ramsey? I'm the mother. Oh my God, please. Okay. I'm sending an officer over. Okay, please. Do you know how long she's been gone? No, I don't. Please. We just got up and she's not here. Oh my God, please. Okay. Please send somebody. I am honey. Please take a deep breath for me. Okay. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Patsy, Patsy, Patsy. Patsy? This was then followed by six seconds of some inaudible sounds in the background, and then uh, Patsy hung up the phone. Oh, okay. So that is the 9-1 call. Obviously, it was a lot more, uh, you know, frantic and emotional um, than my dry reading of it. But to give you an idea, this is the chaos that ensued that morning. Sure. So that was at 5.52 a.m. on December 26th of 1996. Uh, Operator Kim Archuleta was speaking to Patsy Ramsey, who's calling about the disappearance of her six-year-old daughter, Jean Benet, from their home in Boulder, Colorado. Two minutes later, Patsy and her husband, John, call their family friends, the Whites. And uh, the Ramseys had actually been over at the Whites' house the night before for a Christmas party. Okay. So at 5.30 p.m. on December 25th, the Ramses had so the night before Christmas. The Ramses had arrived at the Whites family party, which and they stayed there until eight thirty p.m. and arrived home around nine fifteen. Okay. Jean Binet had fallen asleep in the car, so John Ramsey carried the sleepy Jean Binet up to bed, and they hadn't seen her since. So that was the last Oof. they had seen her. Okay. Uh, so back to the next morning, December twenty sixth. Um, police officer Rick French arrives at the Ramses at five fifty nine a.m. And the White family makes their way over to the Ramseys' house, and they arrive at 6.35 a.m. So Rick French uh, did an initial search of the house inside and outside, but he didn't find anything out of the ordinary, and so uh, he called for backup because in this, a situation like this, time is of the essence, hmm. um, especially if it's a kidnapping. So Detective Linda Arndt is also uh, on the case, and she arrives um, around 8.10 a.m., and during this time, John was making arrangements to try and get this ransom money set up. Okay. Uh, so he and Detective Linda Arndt are waiting for this call because the letter said the call will come between 8 and 10 a.m. Right. So he's like, he's called his bank. He's like, I need this money. And then they sit around and they're every he said every time the phone rang, you know, they jumped yeah. uh, waiting, waiting, waiting. Can you imagine? Like, I feel every no.
1: <laughs> every second no. would feel like a century.
0: It would. And you can't do anything but wait, which is my nightmare as the most impatient person on the planet. Right. Yeah. Um, so the forensics team then arrive. They cordon off John JonBenet's room to prevent contamination of any evidence in her room. And by 10 a.m., the cutoff time for the ransom note, uh, no one had called. Nobody had been in touch about the ransom money. OK. So at this point, they're panicking. They're fearing the worst that these people had found out that they had called the police and had, you know, gone through with their promise of beheading their daughter or murdering their daughter because at this point they're thinking well we did call the we broke the rules so well my first found out
1: just like how earlier one was like well she called the police and then you and I were both like yeah I would call the police even though they Mm -hmm. said not to because like I at least would I if I found out later that something happened to her and I could have called the police, I would fucking yeah. hate myself. Um, yeah, like,
0: you have to do something, right? I mean, I'm like, yeah. you can't just sit around and wait and trust that the kidnapper has your best intentions right. and will actually go through with it. Like, And then my my anxiety would kick
1: in after I hung up the phone and I'd go, fuck. Yes, like now, exactly. Now I'm upset that I did it.
0: So now like, it's a game of, like, hiding it. <laughs> yeah, from- and
1: now, like, I mean, I totally get why they're, like, so paranoid about, like, shit, we should have not done yeah,
0: that. The, yeah. They should the not have that- done that. Yeah, and the cutoff came and they had not heard, so they're wondering if, you know, their daughter had suffered the consequences that were outlined in the letter. Right. So, uh, in the early afternoon at 1pm, Detective Arndt uh, pulls John and Fleet White, that's the friend's name, the dad uh, of the other family, the White family, whose name is Fleet White. And at this point, she has been left alone at the scene. So the other officers have all left and they've left Linda Arndt at- alone at the scene um, to kind of handle things. And Uh, I guess according to her, John was so restless and agitated and anxious that she was like, I gave them a mission. I gave them a task, basically, to kind of get them doing something. So she uh, pulled them aside. He, John and his friend Fleet, and told them to do a top to bottom search of the home. And this home, I don't know how much everybody knows about this story, but it's a, it's a mansion. Uh, It has 15 rooms. Uh, It has... 13,000 chandeliers. No, that's the Winchester Mystery House. That's uh, It has <laughs> 15 rooms.
1: In my mind, my first thought was like, damn, like that – is eerily like sarah winchester and it didn't cross well it didn't cross my mind that you were making a joke and i was like oh my
0: god that's crazy (laughs) the chandeliers it's like i don't
1: know why my brain was so slow on that update but i was like
0: that's bananas and then i was like seance room downstairs too (laughs) (laughs)
1: everything had 13 hooks and there was one shower what is going on
0: and the lady wandering around up half stairs yeah (laughs) Um, no, this was a more American, you know, new, new built, new build, uh, mansion. only 12,000 chandeliers. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it had 15 rooms and it was seven, th- I think 7,500 square feet. So like still, holy shit. Massive. I yeah. mean, massive. Uh, I mean, it's I don't the even shed know. at the
1: Winchester house, but it's fine.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, it's big for a family home. So wow, they decide, uh, to work from the bottom up and they, so they head to the basement it was during that search that John, dad, uh, yeah. John Bonet's dad opened the door to the basements, what they called the wine cellar, because, of course, they have a wine cellar. Like, if you've got a
1: house that big and you don't have a wine cellar, you're doing something wrong.
0: Yeah. Like, what are you even doing? What's the point? Um, <laughs> so, so they have this wine cellar room. Um, and they had also this is also where they hid the Christmas presents for the kids. Oh. So he opens this room and immediately he spots Jean Bonet's favorite white blanket on the floor. And there is something underneath it to his horror. It is the body of his daughter, (gasps) Jean Benet.
1: So, okay. So before you say anything else, let my novice brain process that. So, so there, so there was no league of foreign factions or something. It was just like a,
0: or if there was, they they were in the house and
1: (laughs) right. Or they were (laughs) in the house and like, I'm assuming killed her before they I imagine they brought her downstairs killed her and then gently placed those three pieces of paper on the stairs and then left right just so they could wake up and think they even stood a chance so I was right so like by the time like the kid was already dead
0: yeah yeah long story short she had already been dead exactly when the when the ransom note had been found yes Mm. she was dead so uh, as far as things that we like know for sure that that's one that we know for sure Wow. Um, So when he found her body, her mouth and neck were covered in duct tape. Uh, Her neck was wrapped with a white nylon cord. So when he finds her, he screams, picks up her body, runs upstairs, and lays the body next to the Christmas tree uh, in front of the detective and all the people who had been there uh, to kind of lend support. So he brings the body upstairs, lays her out. He's crying over her. Um, And Patsy is described as like wailing – somebody like banshee wailing like over her dead daughter's body um and so this is obviously like just the most wild outcome of you know day after christmas for a little six-year-old girl um and so uh i guess just some background on jean bonnet because that also is ends up being a huge factor in this entire story and why it's such a huge case. Okay. So Jean Bennett Patricia Ramsey was born 6 years uh, before this tragic incident on August 6, 1990 in Atlanta, Georgia, and she was named after her parents, John Bennett, so Jean Bennett. Got it. And her mother Patricia uh, which is her middle name's Patricia. Classy.
1: I mean, that's like a, that's a fun way. I had a neighbor across the street whose dad name was John and mom's name was Donna, so her name is Jonna. Yeah, and I love that.
0: That's fun. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a
1: fun little thing to do.
0: My name would be Bernada.
1: <laughs> My name would be Larry.
0: <laughs> oh, well, that's not bad. Yeah, that's okay. Ber- that's... Bernada's pretty terrible. Okay. At least
1: Larry's a, an actual name, yeah. At least Larry's <laughs> a real name.
0: Oh, no. Anyway... Uh, Or it'd be Renhard, which is also terrible. Okay. Anyway. No matter what, you sound like you're part of like a bike gang.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Good for me.
0: Aw. I'm part of a small foreign faction, actually. That's,
1: you know what? I knew it. It sounded, it sounded something right. Okay.
0: Oh, boy. Okay. So she's named after her parents. And John, the dad, was a multimillionaire businessman. He was the president of Access Graphics, a computer system company. And her mother uh, was a former beauty queen. She had been crowned Miss West Virginia of 1977. And uh, had participated in Miss America pageants and so on. So this was John's second marriage. He had had two kids before. And then he also had two kids with Patricia Jean Benet and her older brother Burke, who was nine at the time of Jean Benet's death. Okay. But had been asleep when the note was found. Okay. So whether because she wanted to follow in her mother's footsteps is what Patsy patricia said or whether her mother was vicariously trying to live through her daughter which is what the media said uh jean benet was also very active in beauty pageants okay that's so what that's that i know yeah that is like the big selling point of the story the media circus the cause of the media circus every i mean i remember 1996 i was like five or six and i remember like seeing those pictures of the beauty queen on every magazine at like kroger like every magazine had like slain murdered you know i mean it was horrific and i remember being like holy crap and it's like this you know very made up maybe uh, that's
1: that maybe that's why i have that one image of like her face because yes i'm I'm used to only like the tabloid cover of it and then i know nothing else it's it's
0: it's a very famous photo um and we'll put some of those in the video itself here. But uh, yeah, so she started doing pageants. And according to Patsy, um, she said, oh, she went to a pageant with me. And she said, when can I start doing that? I want to start doing that. Uh-huh. Um, now, there's mixed, uh, you know, there's a lot of mixed opinions about this. Um, I'm personally not a fan of beauty pageants. Yes? Oh, sorry. This is where
1: I tell you that it's kind of, I'm going to make it about me.
0: Get ready. Uh, always. Um, I'm ready.
1: Um, I It's very interesting that uh, you, that this is the story that you picked on the day that I talked about my gammy, because in 2008, she was Miss Senior New York. (laughs) (gasps) What? Yeah, she was a a beauty page queen stop it
0: gammy is like orchestrating this episode and we know it
1: uh, true i mean what are the odds that i would like have this like feeling i needed to talk about her today yeah, and now you're talking about sure. beauty queen but that one of her proudest moments and like her last few years where she was like totally with us is she like she fought tooth and nail to win miss new york and apparently <laughs> i remember it was so fun because the whole family came to like to go to her beauty pageant and like see like her talent and everything obviously her talent <gasps> was singing afternoon delights oh. and uh There was one woman that ended up being the runner-up that she hated. Oh, I love it. And so I got to hear like all like the the senior beauty queen drama behind the scenes. Rich stuff. It was good. Look, my gammy knew what was going on. Oh. And she like they took it seriously. Like apparently, like Miss Senior America is um. Like, you actually do a lot of really wonderful charity work. So a few years after she won, she was busy all the time. They had her go into all these different events. Like, it wasn't just, like, it wasn't just a title that, like, happened and then nothing ever came from it. Like, she was, like, booked solid for, like, three years making appearances and shit. so
0: cool. I'm so proud of her.
1: (laughs) Anyway, that's my gams. What a
0: badass. I love that. Yeah, Yeah, so... Basically, it was a scenario where, you know, Patsy said she took Jean Benet to a pageant and Jean Benet, like, fell in love with it. And, like, that could have been the case. But she did start doing this at age, like, two or three. Hmm. And, you know, I don't know if you've watched Toddlers and Tiaras as much as I embarrassingly have. I sure have. have. I didn't watch Toddlers and
1: Tiaras, but I watched the spinoffs, every type of spinoff with, like, Mama June and mm -hmm. Honey Boo Boo.
0: I watched the... my thing but for a long time. I watched Tyler's and TRS for a while there. It's pretty depressing, but like you really see some wild Dark stuff parenting like and I'm not one to judge a parent. I'm not a parent, as you know, all know, except to my <laughs> dog. Um, so I'm not one to judge parenting, but it gets to a point where it's like, you know, they're putting like these intense spray tans and fake teeth and, you know, it, it gets like really wild. Um, And it's like very, you know, a big argument uh, in uh. The pageant we'll worlds? The, no, no, like the non, like the. The public, the public opinion, public court of opinion, let's call it. Sure. Uh, One of the big arguments was like, uh, you know, you're sexualizing your child. She's wearing like, I mean, in photos, she's six and she or five even. And she looks like she could be like 25. Like, really? Yeah. It's like airbrushed. I mean, the makeup and like super short skirts and like bikinis. I mean, you know, it's the whole pageant thing. Yeah. I mean, I could
1: Um, I could argue, though, like they're they're too young to understand the like, you know, what things they should be valuing or like you know it's fun when you're older I think like it's fun to do because you can kind of separate like oh I'm doing this yeah, for a pageant exactly. versus this is what's important in the world and like if you're exactly. six and you're getting awards because you look this way or you act this way like it can become a
0: little mm-hmm. a, a diva. and you're competing with other girls yeah. about like how you look and how you shake your butt because again like with the talents it's like sure they do talents but it's not like barbershop quartet talents it's like you <laughs> shake your butt to a you know cowboy song right and uh you win like a big trophy and i mean and there's all sorts of problematic stuff in there that like everybody kind of knows what i'm saying we get it we get yeah yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. you get it so essentially
0: she so patsy was like the stage mom she was a stage mom sure uh for lack of a better term so um she was uh, jean Bonnet was like Caked in makeup, dressed in tight clothing, in most of the images that we see of her, mm. um, a lot of people, you know, argued she was being sexualized by her, by the pageants, by her mom, um, and a family friend, Judith Phillips, remembered that one, uh, at one Christmas party, when John Bennett came down the stairs, she had this like really aggressively bleached blonde hair and she pulled Patsy to the side and was like, "Are you dyeing her hair?" And remember this girl's like 4 or 5 at this point. Right. Uh, and Patsy responded, "No, it's from the sun." But like Okay, she wow. It's like definitely not. Did you
1: take her to, to Mars? What?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did you take her to the sun? Oh, okay. Yeah, especially <laughs> especially with the tan. Um yeah, so it was like she was, you know, really pressing her up you know, actually to i think beam. mars is
1: farther away from the sun than i know i wasn't gonna are, say so that
0: because i was like i could I, be wrong
1: i always get mixed up with mars and mercury Merc- so mercury. i was trying to say mercury but then i thought that can't be it and then i just said the wrong thing whatever oh,
0: we all went to mercury wait and... wait okay
1: everyone pretend like this is getting a what are they taking her to mercury
0: <laughs> i like how you say let's pretend to be, instead of like hey just cut this part in you're like let's <laughs> I, just all pretend it was no one a, no one, one knows
1: christine just you we're and me not here. actually gonna, just edit it. gonna be here Wow, she looks like she's from Mercury. She's got such wonderful hair. Crazy, like sun kissed,
0: sun kissed, sun smacked, yeah, sun- yeah, smacked in the head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> however, different to Jean-Benet's mom, Patsy, Jean-Benet was not showy herself. Um, she oh. wasn't like the typical like you know outgo... Like she was outgoing and bubbly, but she wasn't like seemingly upset. Obs- she wasn't seemingly like as in love with pageantry as it wasn't her maybe passion. Perhaps not. I mean, it could have been, but here, I'll just explain. So the same friend, Judith, recalls that once her daughter went over to play with Jean Benet and saw her room, which was full of trophies, and Jean Benet, like, didn't really want to talk about them. And then when uh, her friend asked, Jean uh, Jean Benet said, they really belong to my mom.
1: Oh, that's sad. So, like,
0: that's a good glimpse into, like, that's how she viewed it as far as this is my mom's thing and I'm doing it for her with her, you know.
1: I'm her accessory is how it kind of feels of like this is a I'm just a, a pawn and something that she's up to or you know. yeah like the she's in charge of this
0: it's not yeah I'm not leading the way in this hobby I guess yeah <laughs> like yeah. this is not my
1: hobby <laughs> no one asked my opinion is what's happening yeah. here
0: <laughs> yeah um and like you know my mom forced me to play piano when I was miserable for like literally 16 years but she didn't force me to wear like bikinis and you know spray so it sure there's different levels of that yeah. so Anyway, um, the Ramses had moved to Boulder only a few years earlier from Georgia, and uh, pageantry, you know, is something that tends to be more common in the South. And Patsy said that although her daughter had a gift for performing, it was just one of her many hobbies, although in the book she and John later wrote uh, called The Death of Innocence, uh, pageantry was the only hobby they discussed of hers. Huh. Um, according to CNN, the six year old uh, Jean Bonnet took home first place for Little Miss Colorado, Little Miss Charlevoix, which is in Michigan, uh, Colorado State All Star Kids Cover Girl, uh, America's Royal Miss, and National Tiny Miss Beauty. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Uh, pe- people also, she, I mean, she was a beautiful girl. Like, she was really sweet, very. You know, the, like the ultimate pageant girl, like you'd see in a movie, like just picture perfect blue eyes, you know, blonde hair. Also, I thing.
1: I appreciate that, like, she's like not even, quote, trying as hard or like it's not <laughs> yeah. even at, it's like not even as some as investing for her as like it might be for the other kids. And she and just keeps just,
0: like raking sh- it in.
1: <laughs> cleaning up shop. OK. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, People magazine also reported that Ramsey, that uh, Jean Bonnet won the local Little Miss Christmas beauty pageant. Sweet. Okay. And to be clear, like she did this a lot. So she like she a couple days before her death, uh, her last performance was actually singing at the local mall. Like she did like a Christmas like concert. So like she did perform a lot. And she was like very, you know, bubbly and like into it. Um, So she was definitely like good at it uh clearly damn (laughs) yeah clearly right she's like i'm not even trying i know (laughs) oh this oh
1: this little thing oh you mean all my little little miss sunshines or whatever they're called
0: i forgot (laughs) oh i love that movie (laughs) um so there's an excerpt from a book called we have your daughter by paula woodward there are a lot of books on this case unsurprisingly yeah the excerpt reads By the Monday following her body being found on the prior Thursday, the networks were already involved. It happened so fast and it was so competitive. Within a few days, we learned that the networks were interested and her child beauty pageant pictures had been leaked and sold to the media by the photographers who took them. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. And it became international. So, like, every photographer who did a photo shoot with her was like, oh, great, five grand or whatever. I don't know the price. Like, here's her portfolio. And so now they had these, like, you know, skimpy photos of her plastered everywhere I mean it made for like the ultimate media yeah circus you know yeah. for lack of a better word like truly it I mean, just was
1: also because like there's nothing wrong with looking like that sometimes but like this was not the time like this was not the place yeah. I feel like like yeah your pageant pictures yeah this isn't it, a performance this is a, a crisis and we need to be paying attention to it
0: yeah it was sort of like you know wealthy white family tiny blonde girl plus she's living her her mother's vicarious dream of being a pageant star look how like she's being sexualized and now she's murdered you know i mean it yeah. was a whole a whole thing um so uh, let's see so the whole world at this point is like invested in this story for obvious reasons and boulder itself was known as a very peaceful town um very low crime rate so uh it's actually Well, it was, I guess, because there's also a fun fact here from uh, episode 198, the Shanann and Chris Watts story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Boulder's only 34 minutes from Frederick, Colorado, where they lived. Oh. So I guess things have gone downhill (laughs) since
1: then. But It's a a radius I don't want to be a part of.
0: (laughs) Yeah. A couple, like, high-profile things are happening here. Something in the Um, water. Something in the water. So uh but at the time and probably still boulder has a very low crime rate um and they i saw in one documentary they had like one or two murders to deal with a year like a year and so now they had this like wild homicide of a child so as you can probably imagine um the police didn't really know what the hell to do and uh keep in mind also that uh it's the day after christmas so a lot of people are on vacation right and can't like, come
1: in not enough people are even there to like properly do this job
0: yeah and like remember when i said they left that lisa detective alone right. at the scene mm-hmm. and detectives later admitted like the supervisor said like i made a huge mistake i shouldn't have like left one officer alone at the scene to just kind of like run everything well um, i remember
1: when you said like you were when you were the dispatcher and you said like <laughs> Um, oh, I'll have an officer out there. And I was like, An officer? I was like, Can you yeah. get a squadron out there, please? Yeah. Damn. Can you get the
0: FBI helicopter? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean that house had to have a heli helipad, right? For I, helicopters. What else are you gonna do with all that space? I <laughs> I get
1: you wanted a wine cellar, so you got a seventy five hundred square foot house to match, but like
0: <laughs> maybe put they put it where the there. seance room was. I don't know. <laughs> right. Um, but so, yeah, so they were stretched thin, basically. And on top of that, they're not, this is not a thing that they've ever had to deal with. So they're stretched thin. It's Christmas. It's already a small town. It's already not prepared for this kind of thing. So shoddy police work would forever be associated with this case. Just like last week, like police work <sighs> was not top notch here. Uh-huh. Um, and admittedly, like from later investigators have said, like, at we least, made mistakes.
1: At least I at can least. respect that. at least least. they owned it
0: okay exactly some of them some Um, so on the morning that Jean Benet was found the Ramsey so this is just kind of a summation of all of this shoddy police work on the morning that Jean Benet was found the Ramseys had friends coming in and out of the house Uh, they were passing the ransom note back and forth to read it with each other Hmm. Uh, friends came over and cleaned the kitchen like this place was uh, just tampered
1: tampered 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 (laughs)
0: tampered They were uh, swarming this place. Friends were coming in and out. Yeah, they were passing the letter back and forth, trying to read it, trying to figure it out. Um, And police were there. Like, this isn't, like, before police arrived. Police arrived within minutes. So they didn't properly cordon off the home, basically, as a crime scene. Sure. Sure. Also, Um, like the
1: dad like literally picked up the body and
0: like brought it upstairs. That's the one of the biggest, biggest ones for sure. Which like if there's
1: anything I've learned, there's two things I've learned in my entire relationship with you. One, cyanide Mm -hmm. smells like almonds. Two, (laughs) do not ever touch anything until a proper investigation has been
0: handled. Praying to God
1: it it is a proper investigation.
0: I have a new fact for you though. Oh my god. Or a new fun a new fun statistic. Mercury's closer
1: to the sun. What?
0: Uh, that the science is not saying I can help you with, but Britney um, Spears is birds. What that one? That one I already taught you. That one's good. Yeah. Um, as far as like true crime, apparently, which I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, all you actual forensic people out there, but uh, apparently, if you find a loved one uh who has hanged themselves, excuse me, human nature is to cut them down. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of times, if you find uh, a person who has been hanged and like nobody cut them down, it's a little fishier, like. Oh. Okay, this was just in a in a story I read where that, somebody was that somebody had been killed and I then hanged to cover it up, and they were like, "Well, it's so weird that they wouldn't try and take her down."
1: No, that makes sense. I think, sorry, I was trying to put it in my, put myself in those shoes, but absolutely if I, which it makes no sense because if they're already gone, then like, what's the, what does it matter? But right. the first thing you want to do is try to bring comfort and like, and help. So like, yeah, it's, it's your Or like, first maybe thought. they're
0: still alive. You don't know. I mean, yeah. and, and like, that's, yeah. So it's human nature, I guess, as far as I've read, again, this is caveat. Like, I just read this in a book. I don't 100% know that it's true. Right. But apparently it's human nature. So, but yes, other, don't. I mean, check. Okay. Potential but, fun fact. PFF. P- PFF. Yeah. But also, if you do come across body, check if they're alive because a lot of times people don't do that and it's like, well, shit, now we don't know. She could have been alive still or she could have... Also, Uh, if you're
1: in a car crash or if you see someone in a car crash, unless it's a dire emergency, mm -hmm. do not pull them out of the car because you move them. You could do so much more damage to them skeletally. Their back uh, could be broken. Yeah. Or it it could not be broken. And then you break it because you're pulling them out. And all it needed was that one last tug. So,
0: yeah. Or their neck or you could paralyze them. Yeah. Anyway, point being, there's nothing you can do is correct in any circumstance ever. wait
1: okay book closed I've aced the class I <laughs> yes I, that was the secret to, to the entire course that I was waiting on
0: okay without even a term paper everything you do is it. wrong
1: that's bingo <laughs> bingo okay
0: don't worry it goes for me too so they, the ransom note they're passing it before back and forth with people um, and they only sectioned off uh, Jean Benet's room as opposed to the whole house being treated as a crime scene and uh, the investigators just like you know my opinion should have investigated the house as uh rather than letting the dad and his friend investigate the house thousand percent just like the wildest thing like oh here's a task go look for your go search the crime scene for your dead daughter if i ever saw
1: if i ever walked into a crime scene if there's one thing i know it's like just fucking walk right back out and call the police like
0: yeah don't touch it because you're gonna tamper with it yeah exactly or like then i incriminate myself by accident like like yeah. incriminate
1: as in like now i'm added to the suspect list if i've been touching shit like yes yeah. so
0: my my advice is check that check if they're alive because if they are alive you could call 911 and have help cpr and so on uh If they are dead, immediately call authorities and don't touch anything. Bingo. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, that's my advice as a uh, really low-tier podcaster who knows not much about anything. As someone
1: who has an opinion, um, that's mine.
0: (laughs) As someone who has an opinion about things that uh, I don't deserve an opinion on, that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so um, private investigator John St. Augustine said on a podcast called The Killing of John Bonet," The Final Suspect... Quote When you're doing an investigation, much like this, where the initial call is a kidnapping, it is crucial that the crime scene is provided with forensic sterility. What that means is you try and maintain the crime scene as best you can. And so, what happens in this case is that we have a major contamination of the crime scene. Not only do we not move the family from the crime scene when the call comes in, we actually allow the family to introduce their friends, their pastor. So, there's never really any security in this investigation. And again, like you said, he grabbed the body, carried it upstairs, laid her out. Then her mom started crying over her. Mm-hmm. Like nobody, I mean, the investigator checked and said he's, or she has passed. So they, they checked she is, she was dead. Sure. But they didn't preserve the body. You know what I mean? They like I mean, like, uh,
1: I would, I would assume it, there are a lot of information that my untrained eye does not see but like if there's a body lying on the ground how it is lying on the ground could probably tell you a lot or like yes yeah there's some there's it, some clues that people have been trained to look for
0: especially like it was wrapped in a blanket like mm-hmm. maybe there's clue there how was the cord tied does it look like someone's left-handed or right-handed so that the that that actually stays into play like that that they were able to oh they never took it off as it was like tied around her so and they never the ro- the rope was tied around her um etc so as much as they were like crying over her nobody like cut it off Messed or with anything stuff. like that yeah, that's yeah. weird
1: because i would i without thinking like what logically i should do if i like saw like m- my mom you know in that situation and there was a rope wrapped around her, I would immediately want to rip it off and be like, I don't want you to look this way, you know?
0: Yeah. I think it was like a really thin nylon cord. So it wasn't like an aggressively big gotcha. uh, thing, but also it was like very much secured to her. So they would have had to like cut through the nylon r- Got rope. It. I, I don't know uh, um that, but that part did stay on and became evidence later. Um, so anyway, onto the investigation and what they found. So I just want to warn you, the autopsy is a bit gruesome, especially it's a child, you know, it's, sure. it's upsetting. Um, so the autopsy revealed that Jean Benet had died from asphyxiation due to strangulation in addition to a skull fracture that was seven and a half to eight inches in length. Oh, Holy shit. Huge. Eight and yeah. a
1: half inches.
0: Yeah. And yeah. she's seven a six year old. eight. So, yes. So
1: her whole head was like eight inches. That yeah. Like, right. 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 Like a
0: tiny person. Okay. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So there were also two stun gun marks on her face and on her back.
1: Stun gun marks.
0: Yeah. That which was is, that feels like a really in ex, a really important piece of evidence. It does, and it, it honestly throws a wrench into a lot of the theories. I will oh, say that okay. uh, because the stun gun is kind of like wait stun gun like it it just it, uh. Adds confusion is I that
1: I think my my first thought would be like oh well then I know through what I've heard about John Bernay R- R- Ramsey that a lot of people think it was the brother but if the brother is nine like he doesn't have a stun gun
0: right like the family didn't end up having a stun gun as far as we know okay. so yeah exactly. sorry sorry that, Continue. no no but that's exactly like why uh that was like a really weird piece of evidence so yeah stun gun marks on her face and back and there was evidence leaning toward sexual assault as well fuck. Okay. Yes. So there was no evidence of rape and no semen, um, but the pathologist recorded that it appeared there was chronic inflammation of the vaginal wall, um, and it was also thought that her vaginal area had been wiped with a cloth. Okay. Uh, there was a garrote that was made from a nylon cord and a broken handle of a paintbrush that was tied around her neck. And I described what a garrote was in like episode eight or something. Do you remember? No, I heard paintbrush and I kind of just landed on that one. Yeah, so it's basically a garage is when you have a rope and then you or a, a strangulation method, and then you um, use a, a bar or tool, a brush or whatever, to to as extra leverage to. Oh, I see. Okay. Strangle somebody Got if it. that makes sense. Yeah, like that you does. use it as kind of a or torque a lever. Yeah. Yes. 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 Um, which is also a weird detail of like a very specific yeah. tool of murder. Yeah, you're, you're. Yeah, that's that's
1: like. Obviously, her being dead is a uh, pretty clear indication of intent, but, like, the something like that is, like, oh, you really wanted to, like, yeah. do something. and
0: somebody – right, and somebody knew what they were doing if they right. made a garotte. Like, and by the way, the garotte was made of a paintbrush that came – from patsy's art kit in the house
1: interesting so, so also they're, they're also like able to improv something like that yeah
0: so it's like if it was made in the house somebody knew how to make it they didn't stay home and watch WikiHow or right, read wiki exa- how right which make like it. if i
1: ever were going to be like a murderer i would be wiki howing like how to not get caught by the police <laughs> Like I would One mil- and i would i would
0: definitely be that guy who forgot to go on incognito mode and just like oh. immediately sent it to all of my you know i would Gmail accidentally contacts. text
1: that link to the police and then be like oh no oh no! Please. you'd be like
0: oh is this how and it's like You're <laughs> facetiming the police department no <laughs> they're gonna see my handmade garage in the background <laughs> yeah that's us this is why we're bad at everything anyway this is why we do everything wrong as we like to say bingo um so the autopsy now this is where things just get weirder the autopsy also revealed that in her stomach she had undigested pineapple okay
1: so that was the last thing she ate Yes, okay.
0: and it indicated that she had eaten it a few hours before her death, as it had not yet digested. So it wasn't. It was far enough along that you could tell it was pineapple, but it had not been digested in her small intestine yet. And do we know what the time of death guesstimate is? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, Shocking. They, Usually,
1: that's the first thing I hear about on SMU. I know,
0: I know, and they don't have that. All they know is that she was dead at some point uh, before the before. The police arrived it just basically. lets you know like how like incorrect hollywood
1: is sometimes because like uh anytime i've watched law and order it's like they just want to th- that's the first thing they always tell you and it's always like oh well she died obviously at 329 and i'm
0: like oh yeah my yeah God, yeah they like easy? smell her- they like smell her hair and they're like this is a 618 murder it's I like there's a, yeah. like an invisible
1: <laughs> clock they like once you get the yes. degree in forensics you like see this clock yeah
0: it's a, yes, exactly. So I don't have, um, I don't believe I have a an estimate time of death. Okay. Um, but it was basically proof that she had eaten pineapple within the hours of her death, which happened sometime that night, the night of Christmas. Okay. Um, so apparently John and Patsy were very adamant that they had not fed pineapple to Jean Benet. Uh, but this Wasn't is... Wasn't she at the party, though? I'm sure there was a fruit platter. So... They found the next, uh, the next morning when I guess <laughs> before the friends were all cleaning up the kitchen, uh, the photos from the crime scene show a bowl of pineapple uh, on the kitchen table. Okay, and uh, That's a weird thing to lie about. Well, oh. it, it had Burke's fingerprints on it. Okay, this is where that is. Okay. Uh-huh. And it also had Patsy's, but again, you know, she's the mom. She's admittedly have has done dishes, so it's not that weird that the moms are on there. But jean Bonnet's fingerprints are not on it, but Burke's are. Okay, so and go on. The parents were like, we didn't feed her pineapple. Like, we don't remember doing that. That's not a thing we did. Um, but so there was a dish of pineapple, apparently pineapple and milk, which I'm like. Sounds great. It sounds
1: gross. I'm thinking of it as like a like um one of my favorite like Thai foods is like when they do like the the mango sticky rice.
0: Yeah. Do you know what that
1: is? I mean, I imagine yeah. it's like pineapple stick, like pineapple and coconut like, cream could
0: be kind of good. I just so maybe hate milk. like pineapple in, or like I hate, huh? I know you hate pineapple. I just feel like I it know. would curdle. It would curdle the milk. I don't know. Never happened to me. Okay. Pineapples and cream maybe I could get on board with, but like milk just sounds good. I'm thinking pineapples
1: me. and cream taste good. So like milk isn't that far off and it makes it less disgusting to me. Yeah, I guess. Also, they're like two of my favorite things to put in my body, so...
0: i do love pineapple um and i like milk so yeah i guess um so uh they found a bowl of pineapple on the table and it was found to have burke's fingerprints on it now there wasn't a time stamp on the fingerprints but patsy and john were certain that burke had slept through the night and only woke up when the police arrived okay at the house and by the way, he stayed in his bedroom the entire time that the police were there. Um, and when they later interviewed him, he just said he was scared. Which, okay. like, understandably, you're nine and sure, your sister's missing. So Patsy and John were interviewed briefly after the discovery of their daughter's death. But uh, they refused to be interviewed separately. Hmm. Um, they insisted on only being interviewed together uh, at any point, which... Mm, not a great flag
1: no because like they need to make sure their their alibis check out
0: in uh-huh, theory uh-huh. Uh-huh. their stories line up yeah um so they only conducted their first formal statement interviews on april 30th 1997 which was four months later i was gonna say wow so, yeah 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 so they because they because the police were like no we want to interview you separately so it took them four months to to get to that point jesus okay um. In the meantime, however, uh, much to the irritation and almost like hurt <laughs> feelings of the police, they were happy to go on CNN and do news, news and press and media coverage. Huh. However, they refused to talk to police, so it was interesting. Not a good look. Yeah. Uh, and they had hired a media consultant, and I'm like, maybe that media consultant was just bad at their job, but it wasn't a good look, and it honestly really hurt their case because um, on January first, 1997. Um, You can hear, so you can watch clips of these interviews and they've gotten a lot of scrutiny. And you'll see why if you watch. Okay. Um, So you can hear Patsy say, we have to find out who did this before John continues, not because we're angry, but we've got to go on. Then they say, for our grief to resolve itself, we now need to find out why this happened. And in one of the most famous quotes from this interview, Patsy makes the plea. Oh my God, I... I, (sighs) I wasn't looking, Look, and I just saw Robert out of the corner of my eye, like, moving across the screen you now and she holding just, him. I think he just wants to be
1: seen. He, he needs just needs some love. Yeah, he just needs a little love. Everyone needs he love. He wants to be
0: center of attention. He looks so handsome. Maybe we should just zoom in on him for the whole episode. Okay, that's just no one else. No one needs me anymore. It's been like an hour. No, there no, no. Go. That's
1: all All for you.
0: <laughs> Maybe every time it cuts to me, he's like, wait.
1: He's like, my turn. I'll say the quote.
0: Okay. Uh, okay. So okay. in one of the most famous quotes from the interview, Patsy makes the plea uh, to to all my or to everyone in Boulder tell your friends to keep your babies close to you there's someone out there yikes so this interview uh, is interesting it did not bode well they decided they're not going to interview with police but they are going to go on national television okay. and this backfired because people did not take well to this uh, this look because they mm, what? They didn't have the most like emotive response. Like they seemed cold and careless to it. Not careless, but definitely just like a little distanced or, or like composed, very composed. Like 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 homeboy in the last episode. The
1: the the other Colorado.
0: Oh yeah 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 yeah. Like how so he guy- was.
1: He was, yeah he because he did a really good job for a second right he like had a total meltdown but then like when they would talk to him he was like a little too chill.
0: yeah and they were like you haven't cried once about them miss your daughter's missing yeah but you've cried about other things right so, so it was it, weird is it kind of like that yeah it is and i've like mixed feelings on that because on the one hand like sure you know you expect people to behave a certain way but on the other hand uh she's a pageant queen like she's been trained to perform her whole be life composed, so like yeah yeah be composed exactly and she's probably rehearsed this a million times to like prepare and she knows the world is like looking at her as a suspect well so like also, I, I'm,
1: my, my big thing too is when like the way that my emotions process is like i'm kind of like all or nothing where like yes, I, I have yes. all the emotions immediately and then i'm just numb like i'm just yeah, like same. i can't fucking feel anything
0: yes exactly and like i can shut down and be like I'm just distancing myself from it. So so yeah. like I don't like when people kind of just critique it based solely on how they expect someone to react in a scenario like this. Sure. Um especially because, you know, they've had uh I imagine if I were in this scenario, which I can't imagine, but if if I were in this scenario, I imagine I would get a very strong prescription for Valium for whatever to like tranquilize like to just like not 1000% freak out. And so in one of the videos, and I hate to make this speculation, but I'm going to do it anyway, she almost talks in a way where I'm like, she could be talking on, like, clonopin, And only because I take clonopin. so I'm like, I can tell when sometimes... Like the zombie voice. There's like a a little, not necessarily a zombie, but just like kind of a a calmer demeanor than maybe would be warranted (laughs) in a scenario. I feel like I,
1: like, when I've ever had to take, like chill out medication i get like Mm -hmm. zombie voice like just like brain fog voice where i'm just kind of like not really aware of my surroundings because i'm kind of just like in another space yeah and
0: it's like it's just harder to to like get riled up and uh get your adrenaline going that's the whole point it's like chemically affecting you so i can see why you'd be like i'm upset but not like screaming you know so uh, anyway that being said there were some other issues with this interview that i also find questionable which is um instead of saying like uh oh we don't we're not angry which i'm I'm glad you said because i want. yeah we
1: got off on a tangent but it had there not been one i was gonna say what freaks me out out of anything is him being like well we're not angry we just want to like have closure and it's like if someone killed my fucking kid, like oh, I want you to, boy. I want you to ask me in ninety years if I'm still not, if, like if I'm if, not angry. If I
0: found my child's body and somebody had threatened to behead her and left her in my base, yeah, uh, if like that's like, uh, yeah. I don't know if you were trying to like
1: come off as like. Like the the bigger person, but like it came off as like you're the fucking weirdo.
0: You're like Like, you're her dad. Yeah, it it wasn't. You should want to his fucking face off. Yeah, the public was not having it with this, especially because they said like we just want to know why, and it's like you don't want to know who like or or when i would want to know where
1: you live and i'd want to know what your biggest fear is and i'd want to know yes. how slowly i can make you bleed out i'd want to,
0: how I'd want to ruin many tarantulas i can buy and kill you slowly with spiders how
1: yeah. many how many little uh, uh little cockroaches i could like put all over your eyeballs yeah exactly yeah exactly
0: <laughs> you get we're it. gonna be great parents <laughs> <laughs> i could imagine
1: myself as a kid like or as a parent being like You better do the dishes or I'm going to put five cockroaches on you. I know your worst fears. I know (laughs) where the cockroaches are. Okay. I
0: have a guy. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Um, And so it was really strange. And she kind of said, like, there's someone out there. And, like, she was warning people. And it was kind of focused on that rather than, like, we need answers. Who the hell is it? Come forward. Like, we want to know who you are. Like, who knows? It was a little bit odd. Um, And the fact that they had refused to speak to police – uh, right, but yes. th- now they were doing media, which you know involved coaching from their media coach, so it was a little bit questionable. But Patsy uh, and John said they wanted to warn people that there was a murderer out there, and that's why they did the, the View, the, or the not, not the View, the show. They did the the public the talk, uh, the talk appearance, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, Wendy exactly.
2: Williams
0: show. Yeah, 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 yeah. They went on Ellen and danced a little bit, no. right? Uh, but so. There were some other odd details just uh, aside from the uh, weird interview, and this goes back to the evidence. So, firstly, the ransom note. Okay, the ransom note is one of the weirdest, obviously, one of the weirdest factors of this whole story. Yes, it's bananas. Um, So, if you're looking at it objectively, the ransom note was three pages handwritten. Right. What kind of fucking ransom note is three fucking pages long? Well, which, like that. Which,
1: what kind of ransom note is handwritten? Like that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, handwritten. Like, totally. Put it in some cut out Tiger Beat and get some letters or Tiger Beat. <laughs> print it out. Like, come on now. Like, you It makes me think like they're definitely new to this. And also they left the body. Do you know how? Not that I ever want to kidnap somebody, but my my go to move wouldn't be leave the body at the scene of the crime. Like, uh huh. I would just take it i would take it and no one would ever find it and then write a
0: note and then put it upstairs yeah i also want to add that the note was on the back staircase which you wouldn't have known was the one they used unless you either a Uh knew knew the family very well or were in the family or watched the family like they use that back staircase and that's where the note was left even though they had like a full front staircase to the front door where you would think you'd leave like right a note (laughs) for whoever wakes up first um so a little bit odd. So um, it gets so much weirder. It gets so much sketchier. How? So, oh my god, this um, it's just horrifying. Okay. So you're thinking, oh well, maybe they wrote this note uh, at home, and they're just a very, you know, they like to talk. Maybe they like to. They're what's the word? Look, I don't want to say it wrong. Look what? Loquacious. No. Loquacious okay, no, is that a is that a word? That's not a word. No, oh. it's locution. Wait, okay. Please, no, God, no,
1: don't think it. I'm going to help you in this.
0: <laughs> I thought it's English like wasn't your first language. It's not. And I clear, <laughs> I'm making a point right now because I still am like sh- having nightmares about the time I said and instead of Sisyphian. Anyway, so. I still don't know the difference. So good on you. <laughs> <laughs> There's like 10 S's um, no matter what in there. Oh, my like god. Mississippi. You're, thank you for protecting my feelings. Okay. So um, anyway, it's 380 words long. It's three pages. It's, it's handwritten. It's really long. It's on the back staircase. And you could think like, oh, well, maybe they just love to talk- hear themselves talk. They wrote it at home and brought it with them. Uh-uh. The note was written inside. And do you know how we know that? Because the paper from the note. The paper came from uh, Patsy's notebook. Oh,
1: I remember you saying earlier that she walked down. She saw three A four size. So I was yeah. gonna be like, did she just buy A four paper?
0: Yeah, I mean, basically, it came from their personal stash of paperwork. Like it their just stationary. feels
1: so that so mm, okay. So I want to think that it's like an outside job, but like it mm-hmm. sounds like they, it's like they were gonna have like, you know, pretending we're on the side of the the ransom killers at this point. Yeah. In this situation. It's, like, I imagine them going in there with, like, a duffel bag, a whole kit, like, ready to, like, you know, fuck up people's lives. But, like, they lock the bag in the car. And now they're, like, frantically trying to, like, impromptu to do everything that they wanted to. But now they're using, like, the random shit they can find because they, like, forgot their gear. It just, it feels right. like everything should have been done first like why wouldn't you want to write a note like that that takes a long time on a very
0: especially if you're saying you're like some professional part of a foreign faction and you know like you know about like
1: the fbi and local uh
0: yeah like we're watching a lawn for it's like you're not coming off very professional if you're writing this kind of it's like you're doing
1: it like off the cuff like yeah yeah okay
0: so basically, they took this note and they were able to figure out what pen, what type of pen, what brand of pen it came um, uh, it came from. And uh, guess what? They found the pen and it was in the house and yeah. it was put back where it belonged. Like there was a pen that was like in a certain spot. There's something eerie after, about putting it back. Yes. And after this person wrote this note, they took the time to put the pen back. Yeah, there's and, something.
1: It's like just too casual.
0: It's so odd and, like, time-consuming.
1: It's such a small... It's In a very small way, it reminds me of, like, the stories you've covered where someone gets killed... Like, someone breaks into someone's house and then kills them, but then, like, eats food out of their fridge and shit. It's like, you're just Like, has a
0: turkey dinner. Yeah.
1: So lackadaisical about it.
0: Yeah. It's really wild. Um, So they... Basically, by this logic, the murderer was able to find a pad, find a pen like presumably not knowing where they would be. Uh, Practice. Oh, I forgot to tell you. They also found drafts of the note in the house.
1: Oh, fuck off. Okay, so they really just did this like multiple drafts. Like, okay, okay, got it.
0: Yeah. So basically by this logic, they were able to find a pad, find a pen, practice the note a few times, write the whole note, then return the pad and pen to where their usual placements were. So
1: they were in absolutely no rush. Got it.
0: Yeah. So this is like wildly alarming i think uh you know you'd think if you're breaking and entering you want to get out as quickly as possible um right especially if you have this grand plan and you don't want to get caught obviously Mm -hmm. um and so in the case of john benet ramsey which is documentary uh they gave uh, a group of people the task of copying the note out and it took them on average 21 minutes and 28 seconds to write that entire note so shit and they practiced it a bunch of times. So they were in that house for at least an hour. And that was uh, them copying it verbatim. It wasn't think you have to, would a- you would have to actually, as you were writing, it, you were thinking of what to say. Right, right. As the ransom writer. So it probably took even longer. Wow. Um. So it's like, as a lot of people have pointed out online, especially like they could have gotten the message across in four sentences. We want money. We're going to kill your daughter. Don't yeah. call the police. I mean, it's we've seen it a million times. Like, why not just do that? Mm hmm. It's really odd. It's really odd. Um, Instead of being like, make sure you bring the right size briefcase. It's like what? Uh, Rest up a a little bit.
1: Inappropriate attache. It's like wow. You (laughs) this really is like your first outing as a as a bank robber. You're like I'm going with the
0: best accessories for my my first moment. Too hard. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, it's also the part about the small foreign faction that like that you mentioned that is really red flag because. Like what? Uh, It sounds almost
1: like if it's not true, but if someone, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna pretend it's just a complete random stranger, and I don't have my own opinion currently. It feels like it's like almost mental instability of like this like the government's after me or I'm after, I'm the government coming after you. It feels kind mm. of like it feels uh, kind of on that vein, but also it just feels like a flat out lie. And you're trying to you're like what sounds intense? Yeah, and scary? like foreign
0: faction. Yeah, and um, I will also add that. Okay, actually, I'm going to mention this in a minute. Um, but so the the small foreign faction thing too. Like, wouldn't you say like we are from a powerful league of terrorists like Like, you we're
1: we're we're a little scary yeah (laughs) we're
0: we're just like on the outskirts of of terrorism but we're trying you know it's like
1: we're on the fringe we're trying to why would you admit
0: that it's just weird um so anyway within the ransom note the author they've they've realized made allusions to the films dirty Harry, ruthless people speed and ransom and the movie ransom (sighs) had come out like months prior so it was like Mm, this is a little weird that it's coming out right after this movie came out and it's the illusions. It's almost like someone thought, what would you write in a ransom note? And you wow. made a flowery ransom note where you were like, this is what it would say, you know, like yeah. just really dramatic. Truly. So the other thing that you caught on to immediately was the amount, $118,000. And as everybody asked, why didn't they just round it? Like people asked for- 150. Anything like people ask for a million bucks, people ask for five hundred, whatever, yeah. but like one hundred and eighteen is very specific. And the Ramses at the time were worth six point five million dollars. So it's not like uh they were wanting for cash. Like right. they could have asked for two million dollars and you know, probably gotten them to do it. Yeah. Um, so what's most interesting, and this is where things get a little like <gasps> uh, so one hundred and eighteen thousand dollars Well, that month, John had received a Christmas bonus from work of, you guessed it, exactly $118,000. Okay. And um, although he did get like a write-up in the paper about like his success at work, it didn't specify $118,000. That was a very specific number that you would only know if you worked with him or or maybe not even that, only know if you were close enough that you would have had that information.
1: So at this point... Um I don't know where we really are in like terms of like the investigation but mm-hmm. do have the have the police already made their own
0: uh, opinions of yes. this?
1: Okay. And are pretty they immediately. Like, are they even thinking like oh maybe it's someone from work or are they pretty sure it's the father?
0: Yeah, they're convinced it's the family. They're okay. almost immediately. And that becomes problematic too because they really just it's another thing where, like, in the last episode, they said, it's a suicide, and then, like, blinders, and didn't... And just rode with that one, even mm-hmm. though it could, it and could so, have
1: been something else.
0: Yeah, so they, they really, it was, it became problematic because it was such a gung-ho theory that, like, a lot of things kind of got pushed aside, okay. uh, evidence-wise. Um, and anyway, I'll, I'll tell you, but yeah, exactly, they did immediately think it was coming from... Coming from inside the house, okay. for lack of a better term. Sure. Um, so uh, it, many people, including police, um, just thought this ransom note was staged uh, for obvious reasons. And if it looks – or if it were staged, so that means the family would pro- most likely be the culprits of the crime or at least have something to do with it. And so uh, this is – the, okay, sorry. So if they were, if we're thinking, okay, the family wrote the note, now this immediately calls into question the chronological order of things as far as the note, checking on the kids, and then the 911 call. Mm-hmm. So the 911 call in the 2016 documentary, The Case of John Bonet Ramsey, a forensic linguist named Jim Fitzgerald provides an analysis of the phone call and he questions why. This is some of my favorite stuff, by the way, when like linguists, like forensic linguists and people who look at, you know, writing samples and can, like, figure stuff out from people's verbiage. I just think it's so fascinating. It's Um, the things you never think about. It's like, how
1: how on earth did someone even make that into a job and now it's, like, a successful whole department? Yeah,
0: cool. And it's, like, so powerful, like, what you can learn from this. So, anyway, he uh, provided an analysis. He questioned why Patsy never says Jean Benet's name in the entire call. Uh, She refers to her as my six-year-old daughter... She's blonde, but, like, doesn't say her name, which is just seemingly odd. Um Right. She says, instead of saying, like, my six-year-old daughter is missing, she says, there's been a kidnapping. Which I know that, like, there's a, there's a lot more of this online where you can – people really, like, study these 911 calls. And a lot of times people who are using certain verbiage, like, I – I found a body. I found this, or I did, like some. There's something fishy going on. Really? If you're okay. like inserting yourself fascinating as the focal point of the story. Um, and and also deflecting, so like not saying someone's name or saying like there has been a kidnapping instead of like my daughter's gone. You know what I mean? Like ah. it's it's almost like distancing, even if
1: there's like a like a like probable cause for there to have been a kidnapping because i know if i saw a note like that about
0: you and now you're missing i would mm-hmm. assume
1: okay she, that she's been kidnapped
0: right but instead of saying like oh my god i think my my daughter's been kidnapped i think my friend's been kidnapped oh. she's saying there's been a kidnapping and doesn't say her daughter's name um okay. instead it. of saying you know instead of saying like oh my god i think someone took my daughter or i think my daughter's been kidnapped or this someone is, might this is on youtube
1: her. this is what is how did you learn about this
0: Oh, so these are – basically they play this 911 call in like every documentary. So okay. you can hear the call. I'm sure it's on YouTube. And the analysis is in uh, – this specific one is in uh, a documentary called The Case of Bonnet Ramsey. But uh, you can find – like pe- there are sites that uh, analyze the ransom note that I find. Oh, one of the things that I, I didn't write down, so I want to mention it real quick. In the ransom note, um, it uses the word hence – Uh And like hence is not a very commonly used word, but in a uh, church service that had happened like really recently prior to the murder uh, that the family had written to do a reading or something at church, they used the word hence in that reading. So it's just like another odd thing of like how many people are using hence in like a frantic ransom note and it's how many a, people are using it twice
1: <laughs> yeah exactly like, like it's, it, it's weird s- that you keep thinking
0: about that word <laughs> that word is just like not so commonly used and so it's just an odd coincidence okay. um anyway so you know instead of saying like yeah something's wrong with my daughter or she's missing or someone took her or someone hurt her it's like there's been a kidnapping forensic
1: um, linguistics
0: that's what's called. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yes. Okay, yes. I'm gonna it, look that I, up later. It's so cool. Um, I could read those all day online. They like highlight certain words and like say like
1: I'm about to I'm about to literally go into a rabbit hole. Yeah, do home.
0: a deep dive because I've done them in the pa- years ago. It's been a long time. I okay. think when I first started getting into this case, but it's really interesting. Anyway, um, so and then what's most interesting about this nine one one call is Patsy hangs up. Remember? Right.
1: There's And also there's like a weird pause where she doesn't even sound like she's crying or anything. It's just silence. So there's
0: like inaudible voices oh, okay. in the background and then she hangs up. But like if you're calling 911 and you're like, my daughter's gone, somebody's taken her, yeah. you wouldn't hang up, right? You'd be like...
1: <laughs> I'd be like, I'm going to be on <laughs> the phone and make <laughs> sure you get here yeah, immediately. Exactly. Also the like, inaudible sounds, like it to me, my first thought is that like her, if her and her husband were like co-conspirators in this then like the husband was like whispering advice and like or saying something like get off the phone or saying something where if if something happened to you and i was on the phone with the police a car could hit me and i'd still be paying attention to the police like i wouldn't You'd have... be like back off i'm on a 911 yeah. call as you're flying through the yeah i'm fucking <laughs> busy right now if you mind yeah.
0: Yeah, it's uh. So actually, um, um, we're lucky to live in an age where we can uh, enhance sound <gasps> and try and figure out what sounds potentially are saying, even if they seem inaudible on first listen. Okay, technology's yeah. Fine. yeah. Okay, forensic shit like this is so interesting. So, in an enhanced version of the sound, uh, Laura Richards and Jim Clemente figure out, with the help of a sound engineer, that in the muffled silence, you can hear a man say, "We're not speaking to you." followed by a female voice saying either there's two options that it it sounds like oh my jesus oh my jesus or what did you do what did you do
1: Those only one sound like the same thing
0: okay but i know i was like uh, i don't know but she also had a southern accent maybe that was part of it but (laughs) and now this is followed by a different higher pitched voice saying what did you find (gasps) wait
1: so there's like a whole little a little pack of people in here just all talking together so wait was it hang on wait was it the parents and that party was the party an alibi in some way or like the party the night wait, before? what party the party the night before didn't they 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 came from a party and then they picked her up and brought her to bed because she fell asleep in the car right so was it those people and they're the only other people i've heard of so i'm just like running oh, with oh, it. oh
0: no so oh damn it <laughs> No, so uh, they believe that the first voice is most likely John, saying, you know, saying we're not talking to you. Second voice is Patsy, and the third is Burke. Oh, okay, that's a lot less fun than I thought. I was, I was thinking but now, like, but is it? But is it because the dad says? Oh, because he
1: said, what did you find?
0: The dad says, we're not talking to you, as presumably to this to Burke. Then Patsy says, what have what did- you done? What have you done? Or what did you do? Yeah. And then uh Burke says, "Well, what did you find?" Ugh, so it's like a it's little like, creepy
1: kid. Ugh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if that is what happened, it's not a good look. Um which if uh, that's the case like then damn, I feel so fucking bad
1: for these parents like awkwardly having yes. to cover for your kid's killer because
0: they're also your kid. Oh. <laughs> wow. Cuz like now you're going to lose both kids, right? Um so then she hangs up, which is also like, why would you hang up? But I guess if, if Burke walked into the room, for example, um, yeah. for example's sake, you wouldn't want the operator to hear that. So right. So you might hang up before anything else could be revealed. So um, let's see. And to be clear here also, in all of their statements, including their like April interview with police, Patsy and John insist that Burke was sleeping this entire time. So even if we're not totally understanding it like there are voice there there is a voice of like seemingly a child in the background so okay seems to be they're lying about something here uh whether it's to protect him and he's innocent or whether he did it and he's not innocent and they're protecting him something's up it's it's fishy oh
1: wow i've this whole time i've been like so ready to like punch that dad in the face and now i'm like oh maybe that guy really needs a hug like <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> oh, why this is such shit. a crazy
0: story because every fucking documentary you're like oh my god it's him oh my god it's her and even within the family you're like oh it's a family oh no it's like uh some other guy it's it's a stranger it like man they can pull you in every direction um so to kim archuleta who is the operator which good on you kim and again thank you to everyone who is a dispatcher operator uh because wow that's a lot of uh stress you probably deal with yep um she was the operator that evening, and she thought the call calls seemed rehearsed. Um, and as she listened on while Patsy thought she had hung up the phone, Kim thought she heard a gear shift in her voice. Uh, Kim believes she heard Patsy then say, we've called the police. Now what? Oh. Which could like go both that. ways. Yeah. yeah, which could go both ways, but it sounds like, OK, we've done the next step in this plan or like what's Mm -hmm. how like what's what's the next on the to-do list yeah yes yeah but it could
1: also just be like now what do we just fucking wait around or like like, do we
0: hide from the ransom guys yeah Yeah, exactly you're right it could be either way but she did say she felt like her voice shifted from like panic to kind of just kind of like like when like in a crisis you have to like be you just got to get your shit pull it together maybe Yeah. yeah But obviously, this is not, like, proof of anything. Um, so, the first major theory, obviously, is that the family did it. But the second major theory is that this was the work of an intruder. Seems to be most people are split right down the middle. Um, okay. And as the – so, in 1998, a police detective who was, like, really well-renowned, um, his name is Lou Smith, and he basically had, like, a 90 to 100% success rating in solving murder cases. Like, he was – like, they they brought the big guns in. Um and he actually came in and determined pretty quickly that he did not think the parents or the family had anything to do with wow. uh, her death. And I'll tell you what he kind of found as far as evidence. He published a book later which argued his side of the case saying, there is substantial credible evidence of an intruder and a lack of evidence that the parents are involved. Now, his key argument was that the in the basement there was a window that had been smashed open. And is that remember... True? She yes and oh, she was okay. found in the basement right okay so you can see photos crime scene photos of this there's a window that has been smashed open however this was not a new smash in the window uh, apparently john ramsey had smashed it months prior because he had locked himself out of the house on a number of occasions and he just never had the window pane replaced okay so he had climbed in that way when he got locked out, so it's
1: just that was his new normal. <laughs> that's just his new,
0: ha- new 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 front door. But that doesn't mean an intruder couldn't have seen that and climbed sure. in sure Uh but the, the, nobody's new smashed the window open um, according to Rolling Stone, there also appeared to be finger marks on the glass and an unidentified footprint on the suitcase that stood below it. a suitcase which Smith believed was part of the intruder's plan to sneak. Jean Benet's body out of the house. Oh, okay. It was later discovered that foliage had grown underneath the metal grill that blocked the entrance, meaning that um someone had removed the grate at some point and huh. uh then put it back. Uh however, this fact is also disputed because within the smashed window there was a spider web okay named deb no i'm just kidding i was gonna say skylar
1: oh. makes an appearance okay. okay remember
0: we used to say skylar has seen so much in this room skylar has seen so much in this fucking basement if skylar has uh quite a backstory we skylar <laughs> knows the truth and it's like really scary that we can't ask her what what her
1: this whole time oh what oh that she's been the that she's a she skylar oh is skylar is she- a girl in your mind yeah
0: yes oh i thought skylar she was a boy Oh, well all the Skylers I've known are always girls, so I guess I just kind of assumed it was a girl.
1: Skylar has another mystery to Wow.
0: Them. wow. I mean, who's to say, really? Ah. It's probably not for me. It's probably for Skylar to say. Well, we'll but she to, keeps we'll everything really close to the chest. So, so I don't think to we're that gonna find spider out.
1: Spider chest of theirs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: Um, I guess because of Deb and Skylar, I just assume they were like a little, like little gal pals. Duo. Yeah, little gal pals. Oh, um, okay. So, right there was this cobweb there, uh, and you can see it in the photos, and it had dew, like dew and dust on it. So, apparently, they determined it was around seventy percent unlikely that this web had been made after an intruder could have entered.
1: Like it was, it had been there for too long.
0: Yes. So they okay. believe if. Okay, so here, I'll explain it better, but um, because of the size of the window, so Lou actually does a demonstration and climbs into the window himself, Um, because of the size of the window and the level you'd have to crouch, there's no way someone could have gone through without destroying the spider web. Oh, okay. Um, So basically, apparently it takes an average spider one hour to spin a web. So technically, an intruder could have come in and out, and then a spider created this web, but it also had a lot of dust and water and stuff kind it of built up aged. on it it was aged. yeah so they determined i guess like a 70 percent chance this thing was there before so nobody went through that window it was vintage
1: also like i like how there's this like something as simple as something as simple and as complex and as tiny as like a spider web can yes. completely like make or break an, a forensic fascinating sensation
0: yeah yeah it's just the wildest shit that you don't ever even think of um, so on October thirteenth, nineteen ninety-nine, in Bollorado. Ballerado. Holy gonna, shit. I was gonna let it happen too. I was about to like burp, so I was like, I have to get this word out quickly. And then I just said Ballorado. In Boulder, Colorado. Boulder,
1: Bollorado, yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> know it well. Oh, the grand jury decided there was not enough evidence to charge anyone in the death of John Bonet. And this was shocking to everybody because they were like Basically, everybody believed that the parents did it, that Patsy did it. Patsy was like the number one Patsy, I guess. She was like the number one um, suspect in the public's mind. So, when this grand jury came back and said, We don't have proof that they did this or whatever, uh, we don't have enough proof that the grand jury whatever blah 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 uh people were shocked well guess what we find out later that that wasn't actually true in 2013 it was revealed that the grand jury actually was prepared to charge the parents with fatal child abuse and accessory to a crime but the prosecutor kind of vetoed it and said like nope we don't have enough evidence to try them weird And so even though the grand jury, and they're not allowed to talk about it, so even though the grand jury apparently ruled, like, we believe that they uh, were part of fatal child abuse and they were an accessory to a crime, the prosecutor, Alex Hunter, declined to try them um, in the case and basically said, like, we don't have enough evidence. So the public was like, wait, what? And later we find out, like, everybody else in his court said, like, no, no, like, we want them tried. And he just made the call. He like vetoed it. Okay. So really odd. Um. So the case to this day, as probably most of you know, remains unsolved. But obviously, the entire world has their opinions, um, and thoughts. And here are a couple highlights of what people think might have happened. So as far as intruder theories, uh, we've already mentioned that there's a foreign DNA profile found. Um. Oh, did I tell you that? Oh, I think I told you that. Say it that again. That there was a some DNA found in her underwear. You said there was some DNA, but then
1: it never really got touched. like it ever got like mentioned again,
0: ok. I, yeah, it was like a really brief comment. But basically, when they were going um through her doing her autopsy, they found like vaginal swelling and they found um like spots of blood in her underwear and, and like a like something the, had wiped like like she yes, had got, exactly. Yeah, it seemed like it had been wiped, and uh, they found. A foreign DNA profile that didn't belong to anyone in the house inside her underwear. Now, it sounds really damning, however. Uh some believe the DNA might belong to the worker who made the underwear, which apparently happens. Why? Because so it's so what they did is they used touch DNA, which I guess is controversial oh. because it's just like when somebody touches something and you, I don't know. It's very complicated, but apparently they used touch DNA to be like, oh my gosh, this is the same DNA that matches the ones that was also, the one that was also on her leggings. But apparently they only used a few markers and said, and in reality, they said it's possible it could be the same DNA in her leggings and in her underwear. Okay. But in reality, it couldn't be, or it, it could also not be the same DNA. I don't know. Does that make any sense? It Probably does. Not. No, it makes sense. It's just... That's so, I never didn't know it was controversial because, yeah, because well, at first they said, Oh my gosh, the DNA in her underwear and there was also some DNA on her pants. They matched, and if they did match, then it's like, Okay, then that's not just some random like right interference from like police handling it, evidence, whatever. Like, that's if it ended up in two parts of her clothing, like, then it must be an intruder or somebody outside the family, yes. But then it. later it kind of became clear that like maybe it wasn't the most reliable way. to determine whether the evidence was or i'm sorry whether the dna was connected um but apparently that does happen where manufacturing processes sometimes like small amounts of dna will get into the clothing i had no idea that was that weird that's
1: one of the more fun facts of today that i've learned it's so
0: creepy to think about but yeah you could wash something a
1: million times and like there's still something from the very first in the Moment. From like whoever yeah. sewed
0: it, or you know, weird, touched the elastic, or what have you. Yeah. Okay. Um. So neighbors apparently noticed a scream coming from the Ramsey household at one or two a.m. And after some testing, it was possible to hear a scream from the wine cellar room that Jean Binet was found in, uh, and not hear it from the parents' room two floors up. So, really, okay. Could could have been could have been could have been she was. Acoustics are a from funny thing. I know that wine cellar had some great acoustics um, but only
1: only horizontally not vertically <laughs>
0: oh yeah exactly yeah. like very specific mm-hmm. um so John so John uh Andrew Ramsey uh this was the son of John yes. Ramsey so the junior the nine-year-old no no sorry that was uh Burke so oh John had two kids from a previous marriage oh okay but I feel like I did not know that yeah sorry i I mentioned very briefly, but I also wanted to add that I mean it's really tragic, so John had two kids from a previous marriage, and his daughter was killed uh in a car accident in at like twenty one or like very young, Holy I don't shit. know like i think twenty one or twenty four some like very young age, so that had already happened, and Patsy had already been diagnosed with ovarian cancer before oh my God before this event, so they are going through like hell on many levels here wow, okay um it's a lot, it's a lot. But so John was the other son from that marriage. Uh, he was definitely older. And the theor- there was a theory that maybe he was involved. Um, and the main source of evidence on this is that they had found a blanket ugh, encrusted with his semen okay. in the basement. Okay. Uh, along with a Dr. Suitcase- Seuss book uh, that was found in the suitcase below the open window in the cellar. And it was his DNA. However, he had like a really strong alibi that he was in Atlanta that day and i'm just thinking like i guess he could have been a part of this murder but like maybe he was just like had a gross blanket from his teenage years that he like left in some boxes in storage and his dad put the box or the suitcase in the maybe basement. he's
1: really into hop on pop you know so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, listen i'm
0: not here to judge okay everybody like, is allowed to have their thing you can do kinks. it in
1: a box you can do it with some <laughs> socks look it's fine
2: it's okay you can do it with some socks. Oh
0: my god. Um, yeah. So yeah, listen, yeah. Uh anyway. Uh that's another random fun fact for you. That's not very fun. Nope, and now there are a couple
1: uh, it's definitely shocking. I didn't it's see definitely it coming.
0: Shocking and not fun and pretty gnarly. Um right. there have been a few names that also came up. So one of them is Gary Oliva, and it's one of these things where now the following two people I mentioned. Every time they started talking, I was like, yep, that's the one that has to be the guy. And then you hear the next one, you're like, wait, no, that has to be the guy. Like, it just... wilds. okay. It's so frustrating. So, Gary Oliva is a 32-year-old known sex offender in Boulder, Colorado, operating around the time that Jean Bonnet was found strangled to death in what looked like a potential sexual assault, given that there was a droplet of blood on her underwear. Um, and the convicted pedophile Oliva had been living in the area on and off when police allegedly found a magazine cutout of jean Benet Ramsey in his backpack Uh-oh. after he was apprehended on drug charges in 2000. Uh, and in that same backpack was also a stun gun. <gasps> oh. And apparently in his home, he had a shrine to her. Oh. And he admitted that he loved her to police, but he said he would oh. never hurt her because she was his lover. So good night. Holy yeah, and you have to shit. remember too that this girl has become like internationally famous because of this case. Yeah. So her her pageant photo of a six year old little girl is all over the world. So you know any sickos yeah. can say like, oh, I did it, or right. or even just like, oh, I, I'm in love with her, but I didn't kill her. You know, uh, it's uh, like really sorry, really goose cam look it's 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 horrendous. So there was the stun gun, though, which was odd. Um, Then there was this other guy named Bill McReynolds, and he's now deceased. And this is the Santa Claus theory. I don't know if you know about this. Um, uh,
1: Merry Christmas. I figured out how this is the holiday episode.
0: (laughs) Yay! So the Santa Claus theory, basically this guy, he's a friend of the family, Bill McReynolds, and he what he he was very close with the family and he would dress up as santa claus to entertain the neighborhood children and every year patsy had this huge she had apparently a christmas tree in every room of her house and she took it very seriously and remember this is a 15 room house um and she like did this huge christmas bash she said 1500 to 2000 people went through her house in a matter of like 48 hours to like look at all her christmas decor So, uh, this guy, Bill, and he would dress up as Santa to entertain the kids, and they loved him. Precious. Yes. And so, uh, McReynolds was, however, uh, rumored to have paid a little too much attention to Jean Benet. Um, Okay. And the rumors were not just rumors. So, (gasps) uh, it's nothing like, well, I'll just tell you. (sighs) So he went so far as to arrange a secret visit from Santa Claus on Christmas. He said something special will happen to you on Christmas. Okay. And then uh, he said he had chosen JonBenet to be his special friend. No. And uh, she had given him a vial of glitter as like a gift um because she was enamored with him she's like it's santa claus you know she course, thinks I'm, this guy's santa claus fuck,
1: if i were six and santa claus lived like right next to me and like yeah, he's gonna right. be at the party i'm bringing
0: him some glitter and my mom could just hire him to come over whenever yeah oh my gosh like i'm so just, she, like
1: i got him on speed dial santa claus I'm yes coolest kid in the world yeah
0: That must be pretty, pretty fucking great. So she like had given him a tour of the house, her bedroom, the basement. Um, and she had given him a vial of glitter and he had brought it with him to his heart surgery and like carried it with him. And then uh even stranger, he said when he died, he wanted his wife to mix the glitter into his ashes. Okay. (laughs) Went a little too far.
1: You know, it went a little far and I was gonna allow
0: it because like it wasn't too weird it's now it's too weird it's too weird it's too weird and there's more info you can get but like basically this guy and also within a week he was on talk shows and he was talking to the public and he there were some lines where i went like ew where he was like children are the most special creatures like he talks very strangely about children to be clear and uh so he was definitely a suspect um i don't think oh also another weird thing it turns out his wife had written a play about a little girl being murdered in her basement
1: see ya okay isn't well, that wild wow it's like there's a smoking gun in every single house every
0: single <laughs> person has like a taser that's just like oh that's the taser what is nope. going on i know it's why
1: okay. so um I'm overwhelmed just so we're clear like in it's case overwhelming. My brain is like kind of like muddy. I'm just like Oh my kind of like, like shake around. What's going on? Okay.
0: Yeah, so a forensic pathologist named Dr. Cyril Wecht uh rebuts this theory. He asserts if this was the work of an intruder, they would have had to climb into the house without causing any disturbance. They must have known where the little girl's bedroom was, awake like awoken her, taken her from her room without causing a disturbance. But again, like if you tase somebody, sure you could probably do that. Uh, if yeah. you know where her room is because you're Santa and she showed you. If you like, tase okay. her fucking face, yeah. Yeah, f- yeah. maybe she'll come with you. Right? Also, you
1: had to be able to know exactly where the pen and the paper were. You had to know which th- which of the stairs they went going down. You yeah, have to be that's able the other to, thing.
0: Mm-hmm. You had to
1: hang out for like three hours to like come up with what you were going to write and write it all out. <laughs> like, Jesus. It, yes. It, mm, okay.
0: Mm-hmm. You had so, to know
1: it was her favorite white blanket. I feel like that was symbolic and we're not even ugh. talking
0: about it god yeah true anyway oh yeah i didn't even think of that um so taking her from her room without causing disturbance and not nobody hearing anything um so then he would have had to have some sort of like whatever his intentions were sexually or otherwise would have had to do this then kill her then write a ransom note he didn't even bring a pen and paper he would have had to go find it in the house wrote a long ass ransom note asking for money then left the body in the house even though the ransom note was asking for money in exchange for the body if I did if
1: I did kill a child in their own home the last place I would leave that child is in their own home Like, like it doesn't make any sense Wait, you, you, you were like, eh, I'm bored now. Like, now i like, like halfway yeah, done and I don't want to do this men,
0: anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And there was, there was like, a really interesting point that this one guy made. Oh, God. It was, I'll tell you the documentary later. But uh, he said, basically, like, it doesn't usually happen both ways. Either somebody is attacking a child or abducting a child for sexual reasons or for ransom. And they, like, he said, like, virtually never. Are they combined? Uh, combined. And so he's like. If somebody comes for sexual gratification, they're not doing this for $118,000 right. or whatever. But also usually in that scenario, you would take the body somewhere else to like right. do that. Right. Okay. Um, so it's all just very weird and it doesn't fit that there's a ransom note and allegedly like s- sexual reasoning behind it too. Um, so now we're back to the family theory Ugh. essentially. Okay. Um, Some people think and uh, thought and still do think that this was the work of Patsy, the mother. Uh, She was like the number one suspect in the public eye (sighs) forever and still is, I think. Um, According to a 1999 Washington Post article, Colorado Bureau of Investigation Agents concluded that four fibers on the duct tape taken from Jean Bonnet's mouth were consistent with a jacket that her mother wore on Christmas night. Yeah. also, the item used to strangle Jean Benet was a broken paintbrush from Patsy's art kit, like I had mentioned. Right. And uh, the ransom note. So there was a uh, an analyst who – there were a lot of analysts who looked at this, and they got handwriting samples from both of them. So the handwriting analyst said the first page, you can tell someone's trying to fake their handwriting. It's like – wonky they're writing weird and slow and then by the second and third page they're back into a rhythm of their own handwriting and she said that's what happens if you're trying to fake it at a certain point you just fall back into your own yeah like your brain
1: forgets that you're trying
0: yeah yeah exactly Hmm. and basically they were like this is patsy's fucking handwriting so multiple analysts have said it's a pretty pretty solid assumption that she wrote the note i think that's pretty fair
1: i think had it not been her it sounds like there were some other surrounding neighbors that uh it could have been like they definitely had quite a little uh bundle of characters in their life that yeah sadly all look like they could be
0: capable of this it's it's horrendous yeah so the other weird thing about this too is that like in the interviews when they interviewed john and um when they finally got to interview them separately, John said, um, well, maybe the handwriting looks like Patsy's because it was written by a woman. And then Patsy said, well, maybe the handwriting looks like looks like mine because it was written by a woman. So they had, like, the very same wording of, like, maybe it was written by a woman. And so, like, you can tell that they clearly prepped that in advance, sure. which was just a weird thing to say. Sure. And if you look at it, like, it looks like her fucking handwriting. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. So if a forensic handwriting analyst is saying... It's her handwriting. I'm just going to trust him. Um, So that, and then what was the other thing? Oh, oh my God, her clothes. That's the other weird thing. So it turns out that Patsy that next day when like police came and everything was wearing the same outfit she had worn to the Christmas party the night before. And they were like, that's weird. And she's like, yeah, well, I put it on that morning before I went downstairs to make coffee. And they're like, so you put on the Old pants clothes. and sweater you wore all day at a Christmas party the night before. I mean like to I'm go pr- down to downstairs. To be fair, I'm pretty disgusting.
1: And like quarantine has really like right. jacked that personality trait up. Like I I'm one of those people like that I don't really change my clothes until they're like dirty. Like there's like there will be two or three days until I change clothes sometimes. But
0: No, completely be- same. But I think this is a different scenario because she wore like a christmas sweater and like velvet pants and oh like uh, going out clothes Like it, i mean she was at a party like she wore like a full party outfit and then she, and then took them
1: off and went to sleep and, and put then went to on. bed in
0: her pajamas and then said oh, no and then and then said oh well i must have just put them on and they were like well why would you put on the same clothes and also she's like rich as shit like she's worth six right. million dollars like she has like an, a, a sweater she has on. at least a second sweater yeah, like you know? she's not. It, it's just like weird to be wearing like a blouse or something you wore the night before at a party. Like that's gross. It's probably sweaty. It's probably smells like booze. Like well, okay, my shirts are pretty sweaty and
1: smell gnarly too. But I know, I, but, but it's, I, the, it's the it's the taking it off then putting it back. That's on. That's the
0: thing. I like I it have doesn't standards there. Yeah, I wear the same clothes for days, but the second I shower, I'm like, well, fuck. Now I need to put on new clothes. Like I'm not yeah. gonna put on. Guess like, I won't gross. see that shirt
1: for seven more months until exactly. I get through all of the shirts. Exactly. So the weird. <laughs>
0: The weird thing was that she said she took them off the next morning and, they're like, and then she's like, well, I put on clean underwear and then I put those clothes back on. And they were weird. like Weird.
1: Yeah, because maybe like if she got like fucked
0: up that night and just like passed out in her clothes and then woke up. Right. She, okay. But that yeah. is but not n- what happened weird. in her story. And she is like a fucking pageant. Like she is like always prim I mean, and proper. Like she's not like, slouching like around. I
1: don't want to say like vanity, but like image. Yeah. And, like, you know.
0: Image, yeah. And she's not uh, you know, running around looking sloppy so it was just like very odd because she clearly got caught up in it and went well i must have just put them back on and they were like that's weird but so obviously from everyone else's eye it looks like she didn't take them off like she was wearing them and then if one or two in the morning this event occurred right and um lo and behold the next morning she's wearing the same outfit she never took it off which i think makes the most sense um anyway so some people do believe that it was John Ramsey who killed her. Uh, some people think he might have had some sort of like sexual relationship with her, but there is zero proof of this. Mm-hmm. And as far as the vaginitis, or sorry, as the vaginal inflammation, it turns out she had been diagnosed with vaginitis, which is just like an irritation that a lot of kids get. Like you can get it from okay. soap. You can get it from like wiping badly. I was going to um, say
1: my my big fear was like the mom needed it to look like something else and like assaulted her own kid. That was my, that's what oh, I was afraid no, of. I don't. Okay, that makes no, you feel better. That like, like they didn't she-
0: find semen. They didn't find like rape uh, signs of rape. They just found like inflammation, which they thought like maybe this is a sign of ongoing sexual trauma. But they talked to her pediatrician, who basically said like, trust me, I every child that comes through my practice, like I'm you know this is one of my biggest concerns and he said she had inflammation a lot of kids have it it wasn't anything out of the ordinary like people are blowing this out of proportion and there is absolutely zero (sighs) proof according to many pathologists that there was no ongoing sexual assault of this child good that's
1: one good thing out of the story and also too she was not beheaded so like yeah (sighs) i'm trying to find the really small silver linings here i mean she still didn't make it but I'm yeah. glad she wasn't, like, really horribly tortured beforehand, maybe. Yeah,
0: well, the the, the death was pretty violent, but we'll get to that. Okay, oh, so in 2008, um, Patsy and John were uh, officially cleared of any involvement in the murder. But basically, uh, the reason, I just want to add that the reason people thought that Patsy was the number one um, suspect, like, when they, they were like, well, what's the motive? Well, apparently... Um, Jean Benet had been having really bad bedwetting incidents um, almost, every, almost daily. It was becoming like huh. an almost daily issue. And okay. so a lot of people said, well, you know, Patsy was like really upset about it, really worried, frustrated, like maybe this happened and she just like flipped out and hit her and didn't mean to like kill her but like hit her in the head and oh. then had to cover it up. I see. And that was, that's like one of the main running theories is that she f- snapped or she flipped out uh, hit her with some object and like knocked her out, and then had to like cover the rest of it up as like a. I see. And wrote a ransom note. The whole thing. Um. So that's kind of why they think she could have done it. Um. So they were cleared of any involvement publicly. Um. And some people think now, as you mentioned earlier, one of the other big theories is that it was Jean-Benet's brother Burke. Okay. Now, Burke was known to have had a bit of a temper that he often took out on his sister. Um, He had actually hit Jean Benet a year before her death. And again, in August 1994, when he hit her in the face with a golf club. And left, like, a scar. So he hit her hard and left, like, marks. It wasn't like, oh, roughhousing. housing. It was like he has hit his little, you know, four or five-year-old sister. Yeah very brutally in the head so not a good sign um and according to uh the ramsey's housekeeper linda in steve thomas's book jean benet inside the ramsey murder investigation she quote recalled once finding fecal matter the size of a grapefruit on the sheets in jean Bonnet's room as Holy well as shit. feces on one of her gifts um and like that again like with the bedwetting is a sign according to you yeah. know the experts on the documentary of like anxiety stress like a stressor um you know something. Something's wrong. Obviously, right, right. Uh, it's not normal. And so that you know, one of the theories is maybe he was like abusing her, or physically or otherwise. Um, and another theory proposes that uh, potentially Burke was up eating the pineapple and milk, uh, and Jean-Benet came down and took one out of the bowl with her fingers, which is uh-huh. perhaps why there were no fingerprints on it, and okay. she had eaten it. So. Somehow she had ingested it. So the theory is he was downstairs eating it. She took one, like maybe teasingly or whatever. He got pissed off, uh, took the nearest object and whacked her across the head much harder than he had planned. Shit. The parents wake up, or he wakes the parents up and says like, "Uh oh," or you know, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> and okay. may- maybe the only way to keep one of their children is to cover it up. And um, in Burke's interviews they're a little bit off like sometimes he goes into fetal position and he repeats a lot of the same phrases that his mom used uh, that were kind of like grown up phrases that didn't seem to fit like like he said like not that I'm aware of a lot and he was like Uh, nine you know phrases where you're like like hence (laughs) like where you're like right um his tone is off he he asks uh he's asked if he's afraid and he says he's not afraid and uh it's a little odd a psychologist thought it was odd because his sister has just been murdered and you'd think like if there was a maniac on the loose like they could be coming for you you yeah. know like yeah. as a, nor- yeah, a normal child thought but obviously you know children react to things differently um, so the question is like how would he have hit her with such force thus killing her but uh in the Netflix movie Casting Jean-Benet they did have uh, a bunch of 9 year olds uh hit a watermelon and Oh okay. <laughs> it really <laughs> No well, no. What yeah. were we going to have them do? Okay. Yeah, yeah, just a watermelon, but it, it's it's really not that hard and um children's skulls are very thin compared to grown up skulls sure. and sen- like fragile.
1: At like uh, and like at her age like you barely have your kneecaps developed Yes, yet. exactly. Like,
0: she got and soft like, bones. like sure. He was nine, but he's also hit her in the face with a golf club. So it's not like this is out of character. He's had you know? practice, yeah. Yeah, so it was only on August 13th, 97, that the autopsy re- uh, results were released to the public. Um, and the cause of death was deemed by the coroner. Or initially, it was deemed as asphyxiation due to the rope. But uh, now a new pathologist had looked at the autopsy results and said because of the shape of the fracture, he believes uh, that the blow to her head was actually the cause of death. So potentially the strangulation thing was done afterward. Now, the counter argument to this is that with the strangulation, you can almost see what people argue is fingernail marks of her trying to get the rope off of her own neck. Oh, no. Okay. But there's also no conclusive proof that that's what the marks are. So if it is defensive marks, then obviously that's what occurred okay. first. But sure. there's no proof that that's what the markings are. Um, so basically he believes that um, – uh, sorry. It was uh, Oh, so he said the, it, the shape of the fracture, it looks like it was done by a hard object. And it was only when he was looking through crime scene photos and saw uh, – a flashlight a large flashlight sitting on the kitchen table that he realized that was most likely what could ha- or potentially what could have been the weapon that
1: uh-huh. killed
0: her um and so there wasn't blood or hair on the flashlight but dr spitz who was the pathologist uh explained that a blow to the head with an object like that could break the skull but not the skin like that's a oh, potential okay. which i had no idea um, and therefore wouldn't have, like, broken skin and, and gotten blood and on now, it. And now as
1: you know, sure, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so he believes that due to Jean Benet's age and having, like, what he called an eggshell skull of a six-year-old, uh, anyone could have caused the impact. The parents kept saying it must have been a man. But he's like, nope, a child could have smashed her head. Like, it, she was small and little yeah. and had, you know, yeah. a thin skull. And um, so the flashlight interestingly enough was never claimed by the family or police so even though it's in the photos oh. like nobody really knows what it's doing there interesting uh and it was right next to the pineapple so it's like she could have grabbed the uh she could have taken his pineapple like teased him and you know he could have grabbed the flashlight swung it at her yeah she falls to the ground and he goes oh you know i don't didn't and it to feels this. like a
1: little kid thing to like Try to hide the 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 baby or the kid with like just throwing a blanket on top and being like object permanence. Like if I can't see it, maybe mm, cover not it up. There.
0: Well, and you know, like they say, when bodies are covered up, a lot of times it's like a, a remorse thing. They don't mm-hmm. want to see it. And so, I mean, my thought is that this is I'm getting now into my thoughts, but basically, if if Burke did it, I believe that the parents were the ones that carried her downstairs. I don't think he could have like carried her downstairs and done the whole garrot. Right and everything i think they were probably just trying to cover up stage the scene basically add like add like the garage with her own paintbrush cover her up with a blanket um yeah Hmm. i i don't know but i to me i'm thinking what about the stun gun to the face i can't
1: imagine like as as upset as you are that your child is now not here if you had to stage her murder for your other kid I still could not put a stun gun to my kid's face
0: the stun gun is the thing that gets thrown in and you're like okay that part doesn't fit yeah do you know what I mean it's like every solution suddenly has all these like problems
1: does it have to be a stun gun or could it be something else
0: they did testing on pigs which is really sad um and they determined like that it's pretty much exactly the spacing and size of a stun gun
1: okay
0: um so okay anyway uh he believed that they added the the strangulation as an accessory to the murder to to create a mystery as to like to complicate yeah because like why would you tie
1: this whole thing on the neck and yeah yeah
0: yeah and maybe make it look like somebody had strangled her um jean benet's hands were also tied tied up but they were done in a slipknot which means like she could have broken free so it's just odd like it could have happened after death because right they wouldn't have stayed tied if she were alive. I can't
1: imagine trying to stage the body of one of, but like having to like not even just stage it, but like be like aggressive and violent with that body to make it look real, like tightening something on on That's the neck. That's what and all freaks that. me
0: out. That's what freaks me out for sure. Yeah, <sighs> and I mean maybe that was Burke too. Who knows? Maybe he got violent. I mean I'm not saying it was because there's literally no way to know that right now, but. Uh, yeah. I just don't know who did that. Um, So CBS ran this documentary, and I remember when this came out. It was called The Case of Jean-Benet Ramsey in 2016, and it was, like, this intense, basically, like, allegations against Burke. And it was basically the whole, whole thing was, like, Burke did it. And I remember watching this in 2016 in my Glendale apartment and going, of course, like, Burke for sure did it. There's no fucking doubt in my mind. And then... You kind of watch other documentaries and you're like, okay, it was so extremely one-sided. Like they found like the experts who were going to agree with this, that, and the other. And he actually sued uh, for $750 million for defamation after that came out. Whoa. So like they kind of did a – Did they have to pay him? I'm not sure if he won. Um, I'm not sure. And I don't know. Maybe it could still be ongoing. Wow. Uh, But he did go on Dr. Phil after that to try and really kind of clear his own name and Fuck, um, i love dr he, phil <laughs> i know dr phil gets every fucking murderer or uh, suspect i guess i on really his show.
1: i really am just like an old trailer park grandpa like there's nothing i love more <laughs> than uh d- watching jerry springer maury, maury dr phil steve wilkos i mean just yeah, like the like trashiest my, of trash i love it That's
0: like my childhood just like sick from school watching maury like are you the father? Who knows?
1: <laughs> the answer is fucking no. I know it. I'm telling you. <laughs> but I want to watch it happen anyway.
0: Oh, my God. My mom would vacuum and I'd be like, can you turn it down? I'm about to find out if he's the father. And oh, I was like especially <laughs> when they only
1: turn the vacuum on right when he says, like, Bill. Like, he, like, says uh, the name. And he's like, you.
0: And then, Burr! oh god my i'm like sweating already i'm only saying that it. because that exact thing happened so many times where i'd be like no i can't even." truly it would piss me off My i'm always like <laughs> you vacuum and i'm like that's not the point anyway um so he went on dr phil and he got a lot of heat because he i guess was smiling throughout the whole interview mm. but also like and then dr phil later asked viewers to remember that like burke well this is kind of rude but he's like he's socially awkward uh he was hidden from the world after the death of his sister he was put on blast like on you know as a child and spent his yeah. whole childhood under this shadow and like in this limelight of like my parents potentially murdered someone or they think i murdered someone and either way like you're gonna grow up to be kind of not right awkward. in the head yeah yeah I like, mean, like and he
1: I just think, like, if I, like, if you're nine and, like, everyone thinks you're a murderer. Yeah. And if you are, okay, well, that, you already are a little unstable. Yeah, uh, something, right. I,
0: you're living with that, first of all, yeah.
1: Or you are not a murderer and the world thinks you are and you're nine and people think if it's not you, it is your mommy and daddy. Yeah. And like, that's,
0: like, your identity now, you know?
1: Yeah, so, like, you're, like, n- you're not going to end up being totally hundred percent like
0: yeah i mean i, I don't blame like I, listen i'm socially i couldn't be on dr phil i'm fucking socially awkward so i can't imagine if like i'm there to defend the fact that i didn't murder my sister you know what i mean mm-hmm. so like and so anyway he went to purdue he got a, a degree in computer science i think and like Did he up, his
1: name changed i would have fucking done that
0: i don't think he changed his name but i do believe that he's like really off the radar like he lives pretty off the radar understandably okay um but no i don't believe he changed his name uh so anyway the case remains unsolved people are still trying to figure out what the hell is going on um patsy has since died she died in 2006 at the age of 49 of ovarian cancer uh, and john remarried and now lives with his wife jan in michigan uh, like i said burke attended Purdue and graduated in '09, but keeps to himself for the most part Uh, There's tons of books, tons of documentaries. I watched Casting Jean Bonnet for the first time this week, and it's very good. But I would recommend you watch that after you watch, like, the other ones that go into depth about the case because Casting Jean Bonnet is more of, like, an artsy look at it in in the lens of other people. Like, it doesn't tell you much about the case. But I would say my favorites, um, my all-time favorite series, it's a three-part series um, called Jean Bonnet An American Murder Mystery – And uh, that is on – oh, God, I think I had to buy that on Amazon Prime. Uh, But the – I like casting uh, Jean Benet on Netflix. And then The Killing of Jean Benet, Her Father Speaks, uh, was on Hulu, but now it's also on Amazon. You have to pay for it. So that's annoying. But um, those are my favorites. uh, And wowza. I I mean – oh, in my opinion, basically. Which, again, I don't like to kind of make speculations on something like this because it's just wildly like – hurtful if it's wrong you know but sure my 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 thought is that burke got angry hit her with the flashlight parents wake up panic they're like we need to stage this and protect our son we just got to do it and that's why the mom and dad like just stuck to their stories Um, I think she wrote the note I think they couldn't think up think up a number besides 118,000 because 118,000 because that's just what was on their mind he had just gotten that money yeah I don't know Um, and I think uh, you know then they shielded him from shielded Burke from press or whatever and I don't the thing that trips me up is the taser and um the the because i'm like one of them would have had to do that and i'm not saying that burke is like a fucking sociopath right murderer i'm saying like it could have been an accident my thought is it was an accident within the house and they were covering it up but that's just that's the most common theory anyway um but that's kind of where i stand so
1: I have no idea where I stand. <laughs>
0: it's so fucking I have convoluted.
1: I no fucking clue. But I think you did a good job of at least, like, covering, like, every <sighs> angle of it so, like, anyone can have an opinion. But, like, I, I think the parents are involved somehow. I just don't know if they were instantly guilty or if they got forced into having to do this.
0: Yeah, I think somebody knew. I think they know more than they let on, I think. Yeah. At the very least. I, I think that, that for sure. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Wow, holy fuck.
0: Wow! Merry Christmas.
1: <laughs> you know what? Merry Christmas. That was uh, quite a doozy. Uh, I hope everyone is being safe this holiday. I, mm-hmm. if you uh, don't have to travel, I really, really hope you don't have to travel, and everyone just stays safe and where they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, Zoom is, you know, kicking. <laughs> you don't have
0: to wear your. You don't have to wear your pants, as M can prove it Listen to everybody.
1: I'm just saying, like, the only upside in that, like, I had to go to a funeral is that, like, pants were optional. Pantsless. Yeah, and I also
0: want to add, to it's. I think it's going to be really tough on a lot of people um, because a lot of people are going to be alone for the holidays and aren't able to see family or have had family pass or are just isolated. And it's hard to be isolated all year anyway, and now with the holidays it makes it extra hard. So I just want to, like, give a little, like, hug to everybody who's – Dealing with, you know, feelings of loneliness or isolation, especially during the what's supposed to be a holly jolly season. So, yeah, um, we're here for you and mm-hmm. uh, we're just going to keep releasing episodes. So pretend we're just, you know, gabbing away with you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Gabbing away.
0: That's us. Obviously. I mean, at you, at you mostly.
1: Yeah. I, I hope, I like how it's like, I hope you don't feel lonely. So we'll talk at you and you can't contribute.
0: Yeah. And you have to sit there and like suffer through it, which is sort of like a holiday with your family. So I mean, yeah. Just pretend go. that
1: we're, we're your like really terrible family, but not like the racist, terrible. I'm just drunk like uncle, the, but like nice, drunk is. uncle. Um, yeah. I'm the one who's just asleep in the bar lounger before people e- even get there. So no
0: pants on no of us. Pants. neither of us have pants. On. That's
1: I'm just the one that makes everyone like feel uncomfortable when they bring their like new partners over and they're trying to impress. <laughs> I'm the one that like, you're like, don't even please don't even talk to them. I don't even want you to get into that.
0: So, and I'm like, Hey, do you know about Jean Benet Ramsey? And they're like, Oh dear.
1: <laughs> and then they're like, Oh my God. Yes. The, the, I absolutely have opinions <laughs> on that.
0: All right. Oh. Well, christmas time is here oh i know i meant to do it at the beginning but i'll do it for our actual holiday episode next week um okay since i forgot this time around i apologize but we'll be here on the 27th
1: well uh thank you guys and hopefully you're doing hot doing hot i don't know and that's why (laughs) we drink (laughs)